Didn't we decide last week we were resetting? Yeah, so it's Heather now. Heather. Mm-hmm. A, B, C, D, or E? Hmm. Let's go with... Mm, you know what? A. It's been a while. Let's go oh, with God. A. All right. <laughs> Heather. What yeah. song would make you twerk in a law firm? <laughs> okay. Um, I mean, that's a lot of, a lot of options. <laughs> um, my first thought was that Rihanna, work, 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 na, 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 that one. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, Justin, what about you? What would make you t- twerk with your lawyer? <laughs> Hmm. How about an old timeless classic? I like big butts and I cannot lie. You other people <laughs> can't deny. You know, the rest. You know, that's fair. Both of you get a yep. point. Yay. The correct answer, though, mm-hmm. was just any song by Megan the Stallion. Which I, I almost I did. I about that. Yeah. I mean, I'm just saying. It's in the show. Yeah. It tells you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or anytime Lizzo plays the flute, I would have accepted that also. <laughs> yeah. That's fair. But no, both of those are valid options. You guys get points. You just don't get as many points as you could have. God, you okay. put me on the spot. You guys haven't chosen A or B in so long. It took me a second to remember what the fuck that was. They needed more love, you know? I was like, hey, hey, what the fuck is A? uh, I was like, oh, yeah. A nice change of pace. Yeah. But I was like, yeah, what is A? callback. Oh, yeah. The thing we did for like 100 plus episodes. That thing. Just a callback. Just for you guys. Because, you know, I'm not big on singing in front of people. But Oh, I should have made you sing your songs. I didn't even say that. I did. I know, but I'm just saying I didn't even make you do it. Oh. <laughs> I just asked what song you would. You should have said, sing me the song you would. See, fuck, that's how long it's been. Yeah. Yeah, but we yeah, did it anyway. A, See, we were, because we're so used we were to having to do it. Damn it, I can't <laughs> even retroactively take back your points for not following the arbitrary rule that it was supposed to be anyway. See, Heather, why do you do that now? I tell you to sing the song so many episodes and you like absolutely refuse. And then now when I don't even say it, you're just like, I'm going to do it anyway. (laughs) You know, I do sing them. I just, you know, need some convincing sometimes. But I knew you were going to make me. So I just did. Honestly, I had fucking forgot that was the rule until you said it. Oh, geez. See, I need to write that it down. It was not getting any love. Yeah. I need to have a, a post-it on my my sound rack here. Like next to my game processor, I should have a little post-it that tells me the the game. Like highlights words like sing. Oh, fuck. <laughs> um, we do have a slight Kanye update. 
it's more of a Kanye clarification, if you will, for the Kanye, uh, what should we call this segment? I don't know. Um, but no, I wanted to clarify because I had somebody ask me about it with Russell Wilson and the Kanye Russell Wilson comparison. Just for clarification's sake, we weren't comparing Russell Wilson now to Kanye now. I'll be honest, I was uh I was curious about that. Yes. We we were we were comparing older crazier Kanye. Well, not crazier, sorry. Older crazy Kanye. Like Beyonce has one of the best videos of all time, Kanye. Not anti-Semitic Kanye. Mm. Russell Wilson, as far as I know, has not been anti-Semitic. So, yeah, the comparison wasn't about specifically why Kanye is collapsing. The comparison just was is that he's the football equivalent of we were just saying that the way that Russell's career seems to be collapsing, the the fall in his productivity as a player, how he makes these weird statements that seem to just kind of alienate people from him and things like that. And just sort of the crazy, just quick downward turn, everything was taken with the Denver Broncos after there were all these expectations for him to do well. That's why I brought it up. You know, I was the one that brought it up. That's why I brought it up because of the way Russell seemed to be collapsing at that time. But I wasn't making a comparison with, like, why Kanye is collapsing as far as the anti-Semitic statements. That was not the connection. So just to make that clear. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but on to that, though. Did you did you see the video of Justin, or, uh, yeah, Justin Tucker, the Baltimore Ravens future Hall of Fame field goal kicker, talking or making fun of Russell Wilson? No, I didn't. They were on the plane and he was saying something and he was like, yeah, Lamar's back there doing high knees all over the plane, making fun of the fact that Russell Wilson on a recent trip to London was bragging about the fact while his team slept before their football game, he was doing high knees up and down the aisles instead. Because, you know, God forbid you sleep before a fucking football game like halfway across the world. (laughs) Exactly. But then on top of all that, You know, maybe you could justify it. I know the Broncos won their game. Don't get it. Don't get me wrong. They did win. But maybe just maybe you could justify it if I don't know. He played well during that game. He didn't. Spoiler alert. Is pedestrian at best. Yeah. You know, and. He just, yeah. But anyway, Justin Tucker was saying all that stuff. And then at the end of the video, he said, uh, Raven flock, let's fly. Is fantastic. Which is great. And see, everybody is making fun. And like, that's the thing about Russ right now, man. Everybody is taking jabs at him. Media people, other players, you know, just like there with Justin Tucker. It seems like every day I'm seeing a Russell Wilson meme about, something 
that he said that was weird or crazy or anything. So that's why the comparison came in my head. But yeah, man, they have had, everybody is just having a field day with Russ because he just says weird things, you know, like, oh, I have, why do you think you're healing so fast? Well, I must have that Wolverine blood. He just says stuff (laughs) like. Well, there's Mm. that. Uh, He's like, oh, I have multiple personalities because I'm also like Mr. Unstoppable or whatever it was. Unlimited. Oh, yeah, that's it. Sorry, Mr. Unlimited. (laughs) And I don't know. Look at the Broncos record. You're sure as fuck not unlimited. I'm just saying. But then he's all uh, making those subway commercials and he's all, ooh, this one's spicy. And you're like, what the fuck was that? That was an interesting choice (laughs) to like word it that way, Russell Wilson. And, you know, uh, speaking of that, I'm glad you brought that up because it reminded me. Um, Now, I don't know how 100% accurate this is. This was like some TikTok, YouTube stuff I was looking at. But apparently his sandwich, there was so much backlash. Like Subway apparently got so much backlash because of that sandwich named after him or the dangerous witch or whatever that it was called that they took it off that menu of special sandwiches where you can go and they had the different sandwiches named after players and stuff. And he was one of the sponsored players. They took his sandwich off there. Like a guy was searching, like a guy went to the site or whatever and was searching for his sandwich and it wasn't there. And apparently it was because so many people raised hell about it. So I hope that this is making people see kind of why when we were talking about the Kanye West collapse and I was saying the football equivalent might be him. This is where it's coming from, man, because he's the only person I can think of that this is that stuff like this is kind of happening to. Not the same, not for the same reasons, of course, but just it's a similar wavelength, man. Everybody just seems to like. Not like this fool right now. He can't say anything right. He can't, you know. CBSSports.com. Uh, okay. A legit source. Subway did remove the sandwich from their menu. <laughs> See? <laughs> See? Man, come on, man. Like. <laughs> oh, that is fantastic. Yep. It was called the Danger Witch. Oh. Uh-uh. <laughs> The danger witch, which, all right, I'm looking at the description of the sandwich. It's Italian herb and cheese bread with pepperoni, salami, black forest ham, bacon, provolone cheese, lettuce, green peppers, tomatoes, banana peppers, and yellow mustard and mayo. That actually sounds like a pretty good sandwich. It has lots of things I would eat on there. I wouldn't get lettuce. Like, you know, I don't eat Subway a lot because nobody's actually enjoyed a Subway sandwich since at least 2016. <laughs> People have eaten them since then, but nobody's actually enjoyed one since 2016. Uh, but I would get spinach. Mm. Yeah, I would too. Because spinach is delicious. It's, you know, way more interesting than, than lettuce. Uh, other than that, it's not a bad sandwich, but it's just, 
his fucking commercial. And how do you call that a danger witch? Like, you have banana peppers on there. The most unoffending of peppers, maybe outside of a, of a, of a bell pepper, which it also has. I mean, they're called banana peppers. They're not even spicy. That pepperchino that comes with a, a, a Papa John's pizza has more zest than a banana pepper. I just don't get it. How is it Danger Witch? I mean, honestly, that sounds like a sandwich that is billed solely towards white people. I just, they're like, it's got salami and pepperonis on it. Like stereotypical Mario voice going, it's a spicy. <laughs> the fuck is that sandwich? Now, I'm not going to lie, Justin. I want to go back to something we talked a, a while ago about. Uh, the more I think about it with the, that, that Mario trailer, what the fuck do people want from that voice? I just, I, that is something I think about on a daily basis at some point. If that trailer came out and he goes, it's a me, a Mario, I'd be like, what the fuck are they doing? Yeah. And the funny right. thing is, is there have already been fans who changed the voice to the video game Mario voice. So you can watch the entire preview with that stereotype. It's a me, a voice. And people retweeting it and sharing it saying, look, it sounds way better this way using the the actor who always voiced Mario and all of this stuff. And, and I get to an extent like, oh, having that genuine person who voice acted the character. But are we not going to talk about how problematic it is that he sounds like that? Like, yeah. especially now in 2022. Okay, I get it back then, whatever, whatever. But it's 2022, man. Like, can't do that anymore, man. Yeah, it's a bad look. It yeah, really it's is. It's just not a good look. It's just not a good look. It's not like Italians are clamoring for, for, for Mario to be canceled or anything, but... I don't I don't foresee it being that kind of a deal, but still, it's just not a you know. Yeah, it's can just, we grow up just a bit. Exactly. It just sounds just bad regardless. Yeah. Yeah. I think about that all the time. One last thing. One last thing. Very crucial. Venom three has found its director. And I, I don't know. She wrote the first two. She wrote some mm-hmm. of the Fifty Shades of Grey screenplays. She might have directed one of those too. Mm. But uh, I really, you know, I was just thinking about that decision. And they went, man, those first two were so well written. We need to let this woman direct this movie too. Like. Oh, man. I was just like, you know what? That is the most fitting thing I've ever heard. <laughs> it, it, it's it really is the exact same thing they did with Blade Trinity. Because David S. Goyer had never directed anything really before any of that shit. 
and he uh, got to direct Blade Trinity after he wrote the first two or co-wrote the first two. And look what we got. Oh, boy. Well, I guess I need to start counting down the days because the next person to have a collapse is going to be me after I see that movie. Right. You know, all right, this is kind of up in the air, man. She wrote the first two Venom movies. She wrote the screenplay for the first Fifty Shades movie. She was the creator of a a little-known TV series on Fox back in the day called Terra Nova. And I actually kind of dug that show. People went to Planet, and there were dinosaurs there. I mean, it was what it was. But she also wrote Saving Mr. Banks, Mm, which is... Okay. It's not a bad movie. It's just... It's a bad reimagining. Because the woman that wrote Mary Poppins hated the Harry Pop- yeah. uh, Mary Poppins movies. Or movie, I should say. And, you know, Tom Hanks played a terrible racist anti-Semite. But then she also wrote Cruella. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. Cruella, okay. Ain't, Cruella ain't bad. It's not. Yeah. Kind of dug that one. Interesting. And uh, her. Yeah, I mean, I thought that was a good movie. Kelly Marcel, by the way. Okay. Um, but yeah, hmm. I like Cruella. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be interesting. Hmm. So I don't know. I've got as I'm looking forward to Venom three about as much as I was before, though. I'll say that much. I'm not looking, I'll say this, I'm not looking forward to it any less. That's I mean, fair. Can it get any worse than the other two? Yes. That's about all, that's about the best you can hope for is like looking forward to it the same amount as you were before. <laughs> also, Tom Hardy's last one too, as of right now, that could change. Mm-hmm. He could sign on for more. But contractually speaking, that is the last one he is obligated to do. So, anyway, you guys ready for this twofer? Yeah. Yeah. All right. On that note, here's our music. Hey, Cinema fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. I'm Sterling, and as always, I'm joined by Heather and Justin. And tonight we're going to talk about what we like, didn't like, and everything in between. With the, uh, you know, Disney Plus Marvel shows, uh, She-Hulk, and we are also going to talk about the special presentation of Werewolf by Night. We will talk about what we liked, didn't like and everything in between with those movies going recommendations and scores. 
I fucked that up. We're going spoiler free, then recommendations and scores, and then into a more spoiler centric section with time codes in the description to allow you to jump around if you so require in both podcast and YouTube form. And with all that, I said like, didn't like, and everything in between twice. Now three times. I am just succeeding as fuck. <laughs> you nailed it. In this intro. <laughs> Bingo. One take, smooth as fuck. Anyway, I don't know. What are we talking about first? Let's do Stu Werewolf by Night real quick. So, uh, spoiler free. Uh, you know what? I'll start this one. I connect with it the most. So we'll talk. I'll, I'll start it. Uh, Werewolf by Night. Uh, spoiler free. Um, you know, I've, I've read Werewolf by Night comics off and on for a while, especially since Moon Knight debuted in Werewolf by Night. So, you know, I retroactively got into Moon Knight and then retroactively got into Werewolf by Night since then. They've done a few other runs with him. Uh, Werewolf by Night has been in the Midnight Suns. Uh, they also did like a Marvel Horror Max series for a little bit, which if anybody remembers the Marvel Max runs, very violent. Like they were kind of their rated R comics, if you will. They went very violent in those. They did some Werewolf by Nights of those. Um, I really kind of enjoyed this show. I liked it tonally. I liked it visually. I thought the story was really good for introducing a character like this. You know, you also get to some of the other supernatural aspects and characters of the Marvel comics and stuff like that. Uh, there's a character named Ted. I won't go into what his actual name is yet. Um, Ted is one of my favorite Marvel characters of all time. He's like third on my list. Uh, you get into the Bloodstone family, which big lore uh, and the supernatural horror elements of Marvel comics. But in general, I really liked this. Weirdly enough, once again, the show uh, made me hate the Moon Knight show a little bit more. Because, you know, they want to sit there and talk about Man, Moon Knight's going to be the most brutal thing you've seen out of the MCU. And then they give us this in the same year? Infinitely more brutal than Moon Knight was. Yeah. Now I get they're able to they're able to get away with a little bit more in this because it isn't black and white for a big chunk of it. Um and you get different rules in black and white. You actually can show more blood in Black and white, just because the blood's not red colored. Weirdly enough, they care more about blood being red than actually whether or not it's blood. That's why alien movies get away with a lot of stuff. If the blood's like a different color, if it's like blue or green, they can get more violent with that. As long as it's not human blood. They also get weird in that regard. You can have like a cow get slaughtered. Like viscera and body parts going everywhere. And it'd be red cow blood everywhere. They don't care because it's not human blood. Rules are so weird. Yeah, that's interesting. But no, this is a very violent, very aggressive, very brutal show. It's also very funny. And I thought this was like, if this is kind of like a taste of things to come with what they're going to do with these special presentations, 
these little one-offs and maybe some of the holiday special types of things. I'm kind of intrigued. I thought it was well done. It was uh, directed by a guy that's typically a film score composer. Was actually the director on this. Also did the score for it. But I just, I thought that this was a really fun and unique way to introduce some very lesser known characters into the MCU without making it a, you're not really sitting there wondering how they'll tie into everything and all this or that. We may see them again. We may not. And, you know, and that's kind of fine with what they did with this. If it's a one shot, one little story, you know, it is fun. And it was only 54 minutes long, which is like chef's kiss and movie length for me. So brisk. So good. Uh, Heather, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I had no frame of reference for any of these characters or anything with this story beforehand. So I didn't I was kind of going in blind with this other than just kind of seeing the the trailer for what it was. But um Honestly, it was really cool. Like, it was a very hauntingly cool um, special, you know. Um, I mean, for me, honestly, one of my favorite things about it was really the cinematography and how they use certain shots and how they use shadows and light and things like that. I thought was so well done in this. And um, the whole absence of color except for certain things, like, it was really, really cool how they did that. And it, it made it really kind of stand out for me on that point. Um, I think the acting was good. I think the the dynamics and chemistry between the characters was really good. Um, again, having no back history of knowing any of them, but just from what they present to you in this, it's really good. Um, and I, I, it really did pay a really good tribute to really old classic black and white horror films um, or monster movies, if you will. Um, and it was cool. Like, I honestly, like if I didn't know this was a Marvel current type of movie, I, I could have put it in, in place with the rest of those, you know, old school movies. And it, it would, it felt just right in line with that. And I like how they did that because they made you care about it being, you know, it, it's modern and they make you care about it still, even though they do a lot of things from older, way older movies. Um, they make it fresh and they, they make you still care about what's happening. So I do think it was really well done. Um, yeah, I, I think it was, I mean, I guess 55 minutes is a movie, right? Like, I guess you consider, I mean, what is really technically the length of a movie? I mean, I think technically that does make it qualify as a feature length barely. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was really, it was interesting. It was really interesting and it had these like spooky elements to it. They had it come out at the right time too for the time of year it is. Um, you know, and I just think there was something charismatic about um, the two leads sort of in this, in this film. So yeah, I, I think overall it was, it was good. It was different. It was interesting. Um, not something that I necessarily expected marvel to put out in the way that it looked like it it was it felt so completely different than anything else in the marvel world as far as 
how it's shot and what it looks like and what they're doing with it. Um, but it was still really cool. Like it kind of showed diversity and how they can tell stories. So I, I thought it was really cool. Um, overall, yeah, I really liked it. Justin, what about you? Yeah, I'm on the same wavelength as you two. Um, as far as my experience with this, I'm in Heather's camp. I didn't really have a lot of experience with these characters. I've never read any of these books. Um, so all of that was lost on me. So I was just wondering, oh, what is this? And just judging by like the few little clips I saw online or just kind of looking at um, like just some of the like, I guess, promotional posters that I saw for this and stuff like that. It just looked like something different. It looked like kind of some sort of horror take or something like that. It just looked interesting to me. It looked dark, like darker than what we've seen from Marvel. So it had those dressings, but I really walked in not knowing what to expect. And it was a pleasant surprise, you know, going in with just blind with no expectations. I really liked everything that I saw. Um, I love the way that it began as well. I like how it started with the same, you know, Marvel music and logo. And then it sort of transforms into the black and white and kind of like what you were saying, Heather, it, it had that music and that visual style of like a Nosferatu, which is like 1920s, you know, but, but if you go further up, like you're saying the black and white monster movies and the Frankenstein and, you know, all of that kind of stuff, like it, it, it all just sort of gave me vibes of that. And the music even sounded like that with the big horns and the, you know, it just all had, though that dressing and it just set the mood right away that look this is going to be something a little bit different from what we've been seeing and it totally was that so so right right away it set the table well I thought and that visual style they just play with it a lot with lighting and shadows and everything like that so even though this was a black and white feature it felt so rich and it had so much depth because of how they shot things and how, um, and the way that they chose to shoot things based on what character we were focusing on and things like that. So it sort of added some personality to the character, even though it wasn't like each of these characters have their individual movie or anything like that, which can be a tough undertaking to introduce so many characters and do it in such a small amount of time. But that's why Marvel is just, that's why they're so good at what they do, because they will find these little ways to just add personality to characters and just try to make them as memorable as they can, even if those characters don't get a lot of time. And that trend definitely can, like, we're going to talk about She-Hulk, and I think I can say the same thing about that. There are characters that didn't get a lot of time, but they made but but they made an impact with their time. And, and there's just something about that when it comes to Marvel stuff, man. They, they just have a way of doing like 
uh, of just showcasing their characters, whether they're side characters or main characters, that they, they, they just seem to handle them with care. And I just appreciate that so much. And this is no exception to that rule. Uh, yeah, this definitely was a lot more brutal um, than other installments that I've seen from Marvel. And it's not, and that's not saying that it's a must, you know, I understand that comic books fall somewhere most of the time, you know, Marvel comics and these comic characters, most of the time this stuff is supposed to be fun. So I understand treading lightly with that, but every now and then you get the right characters, you get the right artistic vision. And sometimes you do need to be a little darker. You do need to hit a little heavier in order to capture whatever the, the mood and the tone that the series is trying to capture. So this is one where I felt like it being a little heavier, it being, it having a little bit more blood and violence and stuff like that seemed to fit the narrative and, and the story they were trying to tell. So none of it felt out of place or egregious or like, okay, guys, like, really, do we really need all this? Never had those feelings watching it the whole time. So that's good. Um, and the last thing I'll say is just a little bit about the leads. Gael Garcia Bernal is probably like my favorite. It's going to be weird. It's weird to say a foreign language actor. I mean, I could just say actor, I guess, but I don't know. That's how I always think of him. Like I was introduced with to him because I watched a, a lot of uh, foreign language films like um, um, The Crime of Padre Amaro, El Crimen de Padre Amaro, uh, Amores Peros, uh, Motorcycle Diaries. You know, I just know him from watching a lot of those movies and I love those movies and I loved him in those movies. So he is somebody who, when I found out he was in this, I was definitely like, oh man, I got to see it. My boy Gael is in it. Cause you know, I just appreciate him when I see him and he absolutely nails it as this character. I thought he was great. I thought he was compelling. Uh, Gael just kind of has a, a likability and a charisma about himself and it served him well here with this character. So you could definitely see how he was appealing to Laura Donnelly's character, Elsa Bloodstone. You could just see the, the, the chemistry with those two actors, and they just did a great job playing off of each other and the should I trust him, should I not of it, and then eventually understanding who he was as a person. I just, who Jack was as a person. I just thought all of that was great. And the way they went about the story, they didn't try to do too much with anything. They told a great cohesive story. It was easy to follow. And by the time you get to the end, you were satisfied with where it ended. And kind of like you said, Sterling, and the last thing I'll say about it is that, you know, if this is the only time we see these characters, if this was just a one-off thing where this is just a special thing and, you know, we move on, uh, then I'm cool with that. And this will be something that I could see myself revisiting. You know, if I, uh, this is one where I could go back and watch this and not only would it be a fast watch, but, you know, I, I think this was something I could enjoy on a rewatch. I think it has rewatchability for the jokes and the lines and just how, easy the story is to digest. So 
all in all, I thought it was a great effort. And all I can say is more stuff like this, please. Like, this is what keeps the the Marvel stuff excited is when they try to tell different stories and do it different ways. And this is, to me, is just another textbook example of that. And when it's done well, you know, I will continue to look forward to what, to other things that Marvel has, as long as they're doing cool stuff like this. Recommendations and scores? Yeah. Yep. Recommendations and score. Um, I'll start this one too. Uh, I do recommend it. Um, like I said, I thought it was very fun. I thought it was really interesting. This kind of goes back to the MCU of old, where, and what I loved the most about the MCU for a long time, where they take a genre and they do a genre film and they just put comic book characters into it. This very much plays out like a monster movie, especially the universal monsters that you guys were alluding to and stuff like that. And I think that's where this succeeds. It's like a old school black and white monster movie that just happens to have Marvel characters in it. And that's what I enjoyed the most about the MCU for a while. I feel like it's gotten away from that in a lot of ways. And I feel like this kind of brings us back into it. I mean, and to clarify something earlier, because I think Justin touched on it and I want to make sure I'm clear on what I'm saying with it. This type of brutality in this show works for this show would not work in Spider-Man. You know, when I, when I crave this brutality, it's from the characters I know from the comics that have that edge to them. To me, that's why I feel like they missed a chance with Moon Knight. Because he is that type of character. Not always. But for the most part, he is. And this character is too. Especially in that kind of wayward way. That's great for classic monster movies where he's like the unwilling. Violent monster. You know, he doesn't want to kill people. He doesn't want to be a monster. He doesn't want to hurt people. But that's what happens with the werewolf. You know, so I like that aspect of this. You know, the character of Ted. There's a weird form of brutality from him. It's not even necessarily intentional. It's part of the character. And I thought the way they did that in this was fantastic. And so when it comes to stuff like this, I really appreciate it and recommend it because it kind of hits you on several notes. Like Justin said, it's got a high like rewatchability to it, especially it's only like 54, 55 minutes long, kind of gets in, gets out. It's just got a very Halloween-y feel, feel to it. I, I can see this being like a type of movie you can throw in your Halloween October rotation. Because it it will check a lot of the boxes that you want from like a like a monster movie, you know. And on top of that, you know, I I, I really liked the the werewolf transformation scene. I thought that was a nice little callback to American Werewolf in London, yeah, without showing it full fledged on. 
I like sh- showing it in the shadow because that was also done to save money. Filming an actual transformation or doing a transformation, graphically speaking, lots of money. Silhouette of it's not that not as expensive, but it was. Vi- but the way they did it, very effective. So, I did. I really enjoyed this. I'll give it a, you know, eighty-eight. Whoever knows fear burns at the man things touch. Out of a hundred, I had to say. I had to say the catchphrase. Uh, Justin, what about you? Yeah, it's definitely a recommend for me. I think that if you have been enjoying the Marvel stuff, I don't see how you wouldn't enjoy this. You know, it's it's got all of the dressings and flavorings of the Marvel stuff, of the Marvel material, you know, that mixture of comedy along with the 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 comic violence and kind of your 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 compelling characters. I mean, it's got all those elements in there, but like we said, the dressing makes it feel unique from the other stuff that you've gotten. So I think that you could do a lot worse than this. And yeah, I'm glad I did watch it around Halloween. You know, I'm glad that we decided last week to do this because it was like the perfect time to watch it. I was in the perfect mood for it. And so it just, you know, it it went down well with everything else that was going on um, in in my environment, so which is always a plus. Sometimes that can enhance your viewing experience, you know, different moods and whatnot. So, yeah, I recommend you give this a try. Um, if, if you're, you know, diving into the other Marvel stuff and you're like, well, do I really need to watch this or do you not? You know, it may not, like we said, join up the stories or give you any clues as to what's going to happen later or anything like that. But I don't feel that it needs to. I mean, even if you just watch this and it's not going to be a part of the upcoming story, I still think you'll enjoy it. I still think you'll enjoy it without those connective tissues or the need for it to connect or anything like that. So yeah, man, it's, it's a fun, it was a fun little special presentation film. So with that being said, we'll go with um we'll go with eighty-six. Man, how am I gonna put this? Should have thought more about what I wanted to say for this. Uh, but we'll go with eighty-six um Stones revealing you're a monster. Out of a hundred. All right, bring us home, Heather. Yeah, I would recommend it. Um, it does help too, probably that you don't need to have seen all other twenty-five or so movies to kind of <laughs> follow along on this one. You know, like you you don't need any of that prior Marvel knowledge, so you can come into this without knowing any of the other things going on in the Marvel universe. And you can enjoy it for what it is because it really is a separate thing, um, at least for now. But um, it it really does like anybody who's a fan of the old horror classics or uh, those monster type of movies, the Frankensteins, the Draculas, the things like that, 
um, this is going to be, or, you know, werewolves, obviously, this is going to be a really, um, I think you're really going to like this. Um, I do agree about perfect timing to have this out because it does set that spooky fall Halloween feel to it. Um, so it kind of just gives a little bit more just nudge of enjoyment when you're watching it, if you watched it around this time of year. So that's a cool added thing. Yeah. I really think, um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's just such a great, like intriguing film, just how they shoot everything really just had me engaged the whole time. And it's just, it's unique in certain ways. And you don't really see a lot of movies that do this, um, in this way. And I, I think it was really, really just well done and on all fronts. So yeah. And the characters that you get to, to learn about the characters that you're introduced to are good characters, you know, and, and you feel like there's definitely more depth to them and there's more story you could get from them if they wanted to do that kind of thing. Um, they're, they're flushed out, but they're not flushed out to where you feel like there's nothing more to them beyond this if they did something different. So, um, yeah, I really, I, I enjoyed it. I think it was a really enjoyable one-off type of thing that they did. It was really cool. Um, yeah, I'll give it, I was just going to go 83 werewolf transformations out of a hundred. So that's me. Oh, you went so simple with it, Heather. <laughs> it, yeah. I don't know why it was hard to articulate something fancier than that but werewolves transformations in the shadows out of 100 (laughs) no 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 it's too late now all right so that gives it official uh cinescore of uh 86 good i think that is the highest cinescore since we started doing the average things right yeah i think so so According to us, it's at least twice as good as Black Adam. <laughs> yeah. So Yeah, that's fair to say. You know, and I thought of something, Justin. Do you know why you were so high, you gave Black Adam such a high score of like a fifty? Why? Because you I haven't seen Red Notice. Oh. <laughs> if you had watched The Rock in Red Notice you would not be as high on him as you are. Hmm. That's you, why. You may have a point. That's you why. could have a point. <laughs> anyway. Uh, spoilers? Yeah. Yeah. Spoilers. So I alluded to it in my score. Ted is actually Man-Thing. Ted Salas is the name of the guy that got turned into the Man-Thing. Um, yeah. Fuck yeah. I love Man-Thing. Man thing's great. This is the second time he's appeared in a Marvel Studios movie. He had his own solo film some years ago. I want to say in like 2008. Actually around the time of Iron Man. They did this. Uh, went to the sci-fi channel in the United States. Everywhere else it was a rated R movie. But here. It started on sci-fi. It was a braided R. Um, it sucks. It's a big piece of shit. Man thing in this is way better. Um, but yeah, I know I love the man thing. I really loved the way they used the man thing in this. 
I really loved that showing him when he touched people, they just melted. And I fucking loved that because, like I said, whoever knows fear burns at the touch of the man thing. And yeah, he burned them. Um, I liked how they showed his relationship with uh, Jack Russell. I thought that that was a really kind of cool way um, because like, you know, the man thing is kind of known for just kind of being a mindless thing. He's just kind of there. Um, I like that they showed him having a little bit of personality and a friendship with Jack. And I liked how they did little things like that told you aspects of the, the story that were like really cool to people that know the comics, but I think makes sense to other people in general. Like when Jack tells Elsa, you know, uh, when you see him, uh, just treat him and talk to him as though he's a friend. His name's Ted. And she does. And therefore, she's not afraid of him. And therefore, touching him does not burn her. Love that. It's a super cool little thing, you know, especially to people like me, where you like see that and you're like, ah, see, he's teaching her the secrets of how to, you know, how to interact with the man thing that, you know, I think it still comes across to other people, but like, for me, it's like just like an extra little layer of things. I really enjoyed that. Um, I really enjoyed some of the nods they did to this in this, uh, show. There's kind of, um, some slight elements of some of your more comedy horror, like an evil dead or something like that with the way they, uh, the the daddy bloodstone fuck why can i not remember that guy's name anyway uh elias is it elias bloodstone i do not remember anyway um him talking to everybody as a, a as a corpse yeah as a little skeleton corpse thing yeah it's just a nice little thing it's a nice little campy nod thing um you know and i thought Ulysses. Ulysses, that's right, Ulysses Bloodstone. And, uh, you know, then his wife. I liked kind of how there was like that hint of overacting on her part. But like intentional. Like it's meant to like kind of pay homage to that grandiose type of thing. That like some of your uh, old, you know, monster movie villains would kind of have. You know, that very monologue type of speech. And it's like that very... You know, because everybody used to be stage actors. So it's that stage actor way of portraying things. I really kind of dug that because you could tell like that was an intentional choice. It wasn't like a, oh, this person's a bad, you know, actor. So they're doing that because they don't know how. No, like that was a choice. And I thought it was the right choice. Um, Also, that actress, I do love her. She's been in like 90 billion things, too. Um, I really enjoyed her performance in this. I like how you get the hint and just kind of the, like a whiff of that greater like existence of monsters and the supernatural in the MCU without it just like beating your head over it. So like now when we get blade, it's going to feel a little bit better that they're the idea of vampires and other monsters like that in this universe. And just simply by taking them and just going and acting like, yeah, they've been there. Like, and I think that that's such a, the smartest way of handling some of these things is like, yeah, they've been there. Just other people didn't notice type of scenario. 
you know, and that's how this show kind of handles those things. Um, that one scene where he's just eviscerating people in that corridor where they're just like in that dead end area and they're like tasing him and he's just destroying them. Yeah. Oh, that was awesome. That yeah. Was so well done. That's what you wanted from Moon Knight. <laughs> yes. That is what I wanted from Moon Knight. That scene right there is what I wanted that Anubis monster versus Moon Knight in the, the bathroom fight scene to be. Is this. You know, and I, I think they did a really good job of showing what they can do with different types of characters in this. You know, because not like like we discussed earlier, not every character can. You know, or deserves to be like in a very brutal show, and some of them don't even deserve to or won't necessarily fit in like a bright bubbly type of thing. You know what I mean? The werewolf Jack Russell wouldn't belong in, say, Miss Marvel. You yeah. know, Man Thing could because Man Thing in the comics, he's in humor comics, supernatural, he's in horror, he's in everything. Uh, he's, I mean, him and Howard the Duck are like best friends. In the comics. So, you know, he can be in all, all those things. Um, it's kind of like the Punisher wouldn't really make sense in this Miss Marvel, you know, in Disney Plus's Miss Marvel. You know, like certain characters don't fit. And so I like how they showed that if they don't fit, like they can still make stuff for them. That doesn't mean that they can't be in the MCU. Kind of gives me hopes for somebody like Deadpool. You know, if they're willing to lean into it with this, maybe, you know, they really are going to kind of let Deadpool be Deadpool. You know, I might not be the biggest fan of Deadpool in the comics, but like, even I know you don't fuck with that formula when it's coming to Deadpool 3. You know what I mean? Like, you don't sit there and like rein in Deadpool 3 and go, nope, we need you to be PG-13, buddy. This is now Disney. No. Right. Because first and foremost... Disney wants that money. PG-13 <laughs> Deadpool doesn't get you money. Rated R Deadpool gets you money. You know? So, like, this gives me hope that some of the characters that need to be that will be in the future. We're getting another Daredevil series in the future. You know, great tie-in for our next one, She-Hulk. Deadpool can be light and fun and bright and colorful and all that shit, and just some acrobatics and some kicks and shit. Daredevil can be that. Daredevil also can be border not borderline violent as fuck. Daredevil's one of the few characters that can go back and forth. You know, I feel like most Daredevil fans want him to be a little bit more violent, though. But... I don't know. She-Hulk kind of, you know, they show you that fun side of Daredevil. Uh, but like it does, it does make me feel like we will get some of those notes in the Daredevil series. I mean, anybody that's seen the original Netflix Daredevil series that run that first season, there's a hallway fight. Damn near one of the most iconic fucking fight scenes I would say in the MCU, if not just kind of anything. It's up yeah. there. 
Uh, if you're big into martial arts films, it's right up there with the type of fight you see in the raid. Mm-hmm. Fucking fantastic. I feel like we might get something like that again. You know, in this version of the MCU, I feel like we're going to get it on Disney Plus in Born Again. So even if these characters don't show up again, it kind of gives me hope at least on the one thing that gives me hope for the MCU, which is these MCU Disney Plus series. I mean, once again, I'm, I'm loving that shit. Not really loving the movies. I don't know. We'll see. I mean, Black Panther could turn around for me. We don't know. But God, I love these Disney Plus series. And for this being a little one shot. Hey, it's up there for me. Loved it. Uh, Heather, what about you? Yeah, no, I, um, I mean, I feel like we all kind of alluded to this in some way or another in talking about this, but the transformation scene, the, the werewolf transformation scene, it was so beautifully shot. Like I loved everything about how they did that. And I can't like speak enough about how great it was done. Like just seeing the shadow of him turning and then seeing Elsa just sitting there and like focusing in on her and like coming closer into her with like all this fear on her face and just kind of even the way that she's positioned and posed and like, they just, it was just so good. It was so classic. It's so awesome. Like how they did it because you get that, that sense of dread of what's happening in front of her, but in just a very masterfully shot way. And I don't know that scene that just really stood out for me in, um, in the, in this. And um, yeah, I mean, I think just really, there, there's so many shots they do where you're just kind of seeing shadows and transformations and things like that. Um, just not direct, like you said, which I guess that makes sense that saves money to do it that way. But it's also just a very well, like creatively done, like uh, story because of how they use those. They use them in a creative way. Because I wouldn't have even considered the fact that they're like, oh, yeah, we just want to save money on this or something like it just felt like they were taking like artistic direction to make something really cool and different and, you know, pay tribute to past, you know, horror monster stuff. Like it just was so good. Um, I really liked the character of Elsa. Um, I thought she was really um, just kind of fascinating, but just really um I don't know. There was just something about her that just draws you in. Like she's got this like quiet confidence about her. um, But just, I don't know. You just, you see, she's kind of driven as well. I don't know. She's just very, a very interesting character. She also looks like Jessica Jones, I think. But um, (laughs) she's, she's just really, I don't know. She was a really good character. And um, what's, what's Jack Russell? Is that his name? Yeah. Um, Yes. And, um, yeah, he was, he was great too. And yeah, the actor that, that plays him, he was, he was fantastic. He really was like, I actually have not seen him in a whole lot of other stuff, but yeah, I mean, I, I see why you really like him, Justin. He's so, there's just something about what he does is very special, like charisma that he brings to what he does. 
You know what I mean? And he just kind of, again, draws you in. Everything, everybody was so well casted because they just draw you in to just this haunting story of what's happening. Um, And I agree about the lady, I can't even think of her name, the older lady, the very dramatic widow lady. She was great because that was even more that element to me of like the Frankenstein feel of just everything is so over the top and like it's alive and you know that whole thing um she was so fantastic with that um yeah I just it it just is it's almost surprising that it's a Marvel thing I mean maybe not to you guys but to me it's surprising that it was a Marvel thing because it's just so different and I really respect that and appreciate that because it's um, like it's just showing that they have range with what they're doing because there is a very, you know, kind of almost standard formula of how they do their movies. It's they're still great movies and they add things here and there, but there's a formula that they do with their Marvel movies. This was not in line with that at all. This was completely 100% different than anything else I've ever seen them do. And I I really enjoyed that a lot. Um, and yeah, I mean, even just the story was intriguing. The, um, what was it? The Bloodstone? Is that what it was called? Um, yes, it is the Bloodstone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. you know, one of those things where the family gets their name from the MacGuffin. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and I loved too, like that whole, like you see the, the red in the backdrop of all of the black and white around it. And that was cool too. But, but the story itself was, um, it was just cool. Like, I mean, it was a very standard run of the mill, nothing we haven't seen before for what's happening or what the motives are really, but, um, they just tell it in a very interesting and haunting and dark way. And, um, the, there's just this like, overlaying cloud of suspense that you get from this because you're just kind of like I'm not sure what is going to happen here (laughs) like I'm not sure what they're going to do I just I had no expectations going into this special and for me it just kept me like really on the edge of like okay what should I be expecting here like what's going to happen next and the way that the story unfolds and the way that they you know, just portray everybody is it's so good. Like it just, it was more than I expected because, well, I mean, I guess I didn't have expectations, but I just really enjoyed this so much more because the only expectation that I guess I would say I had is that, oh, it's a Marvel thing. So yeah, it'll be good because it's a Marvel thing. For me, that's, that's my opinion of it. <laughs> but that was really my only expectation of what was going to happen in this story. And it just really surpassed all of that because it was so different, but still very on par with the fleshed out story and fleshed out characters that they give you, even in this very short time that the runtime is. So, yeah, I mean, I don't really have much more to add to that than that. But um, I just am so like I was so drawn in by the cinematography the entire time. It was so beautifully shot. Justin. Yeah. Um, and yeah, for me, I mean, you guys really hit on it with everything that um 
th- th- that you guys were saying about it. And yeah, like to go back to that, the, the, the older actress that played, I'm just going to look at her name, Verusa. I think that's how you say it. I hope that's how you say it. But yeah, she was good. And, and yeah, I definitely get what you guys are saying with how she kind of had played the character in this over the top way. And it did kind of pay homage and kind of harken back to some of the um, universal monster movies and those types of performances. But what I liked about it is that it wasn't just that though. It also fit the character to act like that because you got the sense that the bloodstones, especially the, her and the husband were like these kind of, they they seem like larger than life sort of personalities within this monster hunting sort of sport community. So they seem like the biggest commodities. Like they were the ones who had captured the most. They had the namesake. They had the stone. So everything was kind of tied to them. So it felt like there was this need to keep appearances, so to speak, and everything's got to be over the top. Everything's got to be extravagant. You know, the husband, um, and I can't remember his name either, so I'm just going to have to go the 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 husband, Father Ulysses. Bloodstone. Ulysses. Thank you. Ulysses Bloodstone. It was like, I can't just send, you know, my wife with these directions and everything and just lay it out for them. I'm going to somehow use mechanics and stuff to animate my corpse and my corpse is going to tell them to um about this journey and who's going to be the one to capture the bloodstone and all that it felt really did he have to do all of that no but they felt very self-important and so her over-the-top acting sort of played into this extravagance that they felt that they needed to have and that's why it was a great contrast to Elsa because Elsa seemed a lot more reserved. She didn't really seem about that. Yeah, there was a confidence to her and everything like that, but she definitely was not, didn't feel like someone for the spotlight or somebody that was looking to have this stellar reputation and all that stuff. She seemed a lot more reserved than them. So even though, I didn't need to see a scene with her disagreeing with her parents or her going off and not wanting to fulfill the Bloodstone legacy. Just in the the contrast of her personality and her mom's personality, I could see where the disconnect was. I could see how she wasn't like them. I could see how she didn't beat to the same drum they did. So I didn't need a scene. It, it was just all in the acting and the way that these actors were portraying the characters. So that was a very cool element to me. I understood. I felt like I knew the character more than even what the movie gave me because of just how well they acted and how those two characters played off of each other. Um, Same thing. And I guess you could, you could say similar things about the relationship that Jack Russell had with Ted or, the man thing, like you didn't need much. You didn't need many scenes. You didn't need to see a flashback scene with them or go back and talk about, 
every all the elements of their friendship just to see those subtle things when they were together, just to see how man thing would react to something he would say or how um Jack would react to something that or t- would react to like a movement or the way that man thing would grumble or whatever and how they would react to each other. You know, it very, it very much felt like two best friends at times that they just got each other. And so, and, and back to like contrast in this movie, which it just did very well with that. Like maybe that was just sort of an artistic theme of this because, you know, like I talked about how the movie opened earlier where it starts off with the regular Marvel opening and then all of a sudden it the screen changes and we go black and white. And then the contrast in how even the music was, how suddenly it was this spooky version of the Marvel theme and they wanted to show you that contrast. Uh, well, another, the, the contrast between how Jack was and then how he was as a werewolf is in there. So there's a dichotomy there. But 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 another one too was just how um the just how the movie starts and it's setting up this whole thing that's supposed to be this monster hunting and we're gonna hunt down this monster and you gotta collect this stone and that's the only way that we can win this game. So the the movie sets up these rules very quickly and it's every hunter for himself. So it's fair game because at first I was sitting there going, oh, can they kill each other? Or is this going to be more like a sport thing where it's just a sport and whoever does it first wins sort of thing. But no, it was like that. But they tell you right away. Nope. It's every hunter for himself. So everything is kind of fair game here. And then immediately that is contrasted when Jack says, well, I'm trying to actually protect the monster and get the monster out of here alive. Excuse me. So that, to me, just kind of shows like the movie was just excellent at that. It would set something up and then all of a sudden it would introduce this other thing that was sort of like this dichotomy, this, and, and and so the movie has just a very, but it did it so organically. So the movie just has a great flow and a sense of tone because it does those things to you right away. Sorry, of course, I just want to cough when I'm trying to talk right now. It did not, you got both of you went and I had no problems. Now all of a sudden my body's like, it's time to cough now. But I think I was so comfortable with all of those dichotomies and all of those sort of opposites type of, sorry, relationships because it set it up right away. They did it with my eyes when the movie started. They set up the rules and then say, well, this character actually wants to do the opposite thing. He's not hunting the monsters, trying to save it. They did it with the actors and how they would play off of each other. So I think that that theme just worked very well artistically in this. So um, everything you were seeing, what you were hearing, and the way that the story flowed together, it all just made for a cohesive narrative, which I think just added to my enjoyment. And of course, everything that you guys said, no need to repeat all that, but I just thought I would add that tidbit, just what I thought it was doing artistically. I think that this movie or the show, whatever you want to call it, I think stylistically is 
probably one of the best things that the MCU's ever done. Maybe. I mean, the only real contender to me with this is Miss Marvel. When it comes to like having a genuine, like unique style, like visual style to it, you know, I think a lot of the MCU kind of just looks like a blockbuster movie, which is fine. You know, you get some elements of that. Like you might have unique costumes and set pieces, you know, like in guardians and black Panther or even now, but, we've seen of uh, Black Panther Wakanda forever. You know, they've got like visual, like u- uniqueness and costumes and set design, but in like a cinematography style, it's like this and Miss Marvel to me. That yeah, like visually that. went out of their way to be different, you know, And I really genuinely enjoyed that aspect of it. I mean, I think that this kind of legs up over Miss Marvel for the sheer fact that this thing was 55 minutes long. It can afford to be black and white the whole time. You know, like you couldn't do that with Miss Marvel. You couldn't visually have it going like that the whole time. It'd be kind of be like brain overload. But like this, I think they took advantage of what they were trying to do. Do like a, an old horror story, black and white, 55 minutes long. They took advantage of pretty much that whole time. Uh, I do have f- one final question. Did both of you know the whole time that Jack Russell was the were- werewolf? Yeah. 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 I was just wondering, like, I, d- I didn't know if this, because I know for... It did try to make it seem like, yeah, he was the main character, but not necessarily the werewolf. You know, it did try to do that. I just didn't know if that was obvious or not to anybody else because I knew he was, you know what I mean? Like, I know he is the werewolf. Like, like I said, I mean, he's werewolf by night, you know. So I just didn't know if the name of the show, Werewolf by Night, maybe made it seem like the werewolf was the monster or not. That's all. I just didn't know if it came across as that or not. Cause like I said, I knew and it felt like they were trying to keep it a little bit of a secret. I just didn't know how effective yeah. it was. I can see if like there were people that maybe were steered. I think I just made the assumption of it um, just based off of like what I did know about what this was. I just made an assumption but yeah, it, it wasn't, it didn't throw me off, but I could see why. Yeah, I, I see what you mean about them. Yeah, trying to keep it under wraps, really. But yeah, I just kind of expected that he was. That's fair. I just didn't know. Thought I'd, thought I'd ask. Um, She-Hulk time? Yeah. Yep. Once again, spoiler-free recommendations and scores, and then into a more spoiler-centric section. Uh, Heather, what are your spoiler-free thoughts about the Disney Plus MCU TV series, She-Hulk? Man, I, I'm hearing so much, like, back-and-forth controversy about 
people who did or did not like this show. <laughs> I thought it was really fun. I thought it was a great time. Um, I I like it when Marvel does do the whole like fun, lighthearted, comedic side of things that they do. Like, I feel like they've done that with their shows a lot. It's sort of like what Sterling was saying about how he thinks the shows they're doing are so good. I would agree with that. I've, I've loved the Marvel shows. And yes, while they do have the darker elements or the more serious and the action, um, they do. Marvel is really good with funny too. Um, and this was probably, I mean, I think that Miss Marvel was really fun and it was really funny. And I think this is kind of on that level of like the, the type of like Marvel vibe they were trying to go with is the same as Miss Marvel. Not that they're similar shows, but just, you know, the, the fun natured vibe of it. I, that's what I was getting from it. Um, I think Tatiana Maslany is, she's a gem. She is just a gem of a person and human and actor. Um, I thought she did a great job as Jen and a great job as She-Hulk. Um, I, I love everything that she brought to this and I love how they made her just so relatable as a person when she's not She-Hulk, <laughs> which I don't think is a spoiler for anybody. But um, I, I just think th- I also really enjoy the kind of like the commentary that they have about sort of what it's kind of like to be a female in this very male driven type of uh, job and um, place of work, you know? Um, And, and I think that they did a great job of showing that because it's, it it felt realistic in, in the things that they say and how, how everything unfolds and talking about, you know, Oh, are you going to wear that? You should wear this. And like, just things like that. Like everything just felt very relatable to what that would probably really be like. And I I like how they explain how she is She-Hulk. Not sure if that is accurate to the comics. Um, sort of, okay. But I, I like the way that they explain how she becomes She-Hulk. And I like um I loved her dynamic with the supporting actors. I think Nikki is an amazing character. Loved Nikki. Thought she was great. Um, Pug, is that his name? Pug, excellent. Th- th- all of these characters that were supporting characters were so amazing. They were so fun. Their dynamics together were so great. You know, you throw in a little bit of Daredevil and you throw in a little bit of other people in there. And um, it just, it's so fun. It's a fun mix of things, but you know, you, you also get those real like heart lessons of acceptance of who you are as a person and, you know, building confidence in who you are as well. And they just really throw a lot of things in there in a very fun way. Um, it's not a perfect show and I get why it's off-putting for certain people. I personally thought it was so fun. I thought it was a great time. Um, I have my like my pluses and minuses of the the actual finale of it but I I just think it was a really well done just fun show because you have to understand I guess the type of show they were trying to go for here and I feel like a lot of people are missing 
what type of show they were trying to make with She-Hulk. And I think that's why people are a little off put by the show in general. Um, you know, I, I love the cameo characters that they bring in. I just, every, everything about it was just a really fun time. So I overall really liked it. Justin, what about you? Yeah, I really enjoyed this too. I, I thought that this was tight, man. Um, you won't hear any mixed <laughs> views on anything from me. I thought that this was tight, man. I thought this was very enjoyable. It was cool to see. I, you know, I never thought in a million years that She-Hulk would be on the screen. I, I just never thought that that character, just especially given the popularity of the character, a, at least back when I was reading, you know, She-Hulk wasn't that popular of a character at all when I was reading comics and stuff like that. Now, I don't know if maybe her popularity has gone up since I've read or like maybe in the past few, but, but, but just from what I can remember, she Hulk was always just kind of seen as, you know, the, the, the female Hulk. And she just kind of was over here doing her own thing. And I had read a few of her comics and, her breaking the fourth wall and all of that kind of stuff, all of that stuff comes from the comics. So if anybody like didn't like that style of it, like if somebody was like, why is she acting like Deadpool or something like that? Actually she did. She was doing this before Deadpool. Like this was, this was the She-Hulk comics. This is the kind of stuff she was doing in her comics. And this is why it was a different flavor than what the Hulk was and what he was doing in the Incredible Hulk comics and Rampage and Hulk and all of that kind of stuff. This is what sort of gave her a different flavor. She was, and that's what like, and that's why I always appreciated her. I didn't read a lot of her, but I appreciated how different she was. And it wasn't just, no, my initial assumption that this is just going to be a female version of the Hulk was totally wrong when I started kind of, reading her comics. And I think that this definitely captures the spirit of that. They established right away that she is not the same as Bruce Banner. You know, they pretty much established that right away. And her journey is so monumentally different from his, but it was so meaningful to this yeah. story and what that they were trying to do with this character and how they were trying to develop this character so I really enjoyed it. And like, I feel like if Miss Marvel was kind of like the fun kind of comedy, lighthearted side of Marvel for more of the younger age group, to me, this was more adult. You know, this is people going to bars, having dates, talking about their individuality. Where where this is a a, a law drama sort of saga, if you will. So kind of what we were talking about, you know, we just talked about like Werewolf by Night being like this monster movie with Marvel characters. Well, what I loved about this was it was very much a legal drama with a legal comedy drama, if you will, with Marvel characters thrown in. And that's sort of what you get. And even when it felt like the series was going to get away from that, to me, they did something cool in the in the finale in the finale of it, and I won't get into spoilers or anything, but 
just when you thought it was getting away with from that, it's almost really neat because it was like on purpose. And then they sort of bring some stuff back and they're like, ah, ah, we're not going to do what you normally expect us to do in a lot of these cases. And I thought that was so like cool and like badass and like, To me, it was a lot different than what I've seen from Marvel. So I feel like this gets points for kind of making some bold choices. And I I liked the choices that it made. And I know people were mixed on the choices, but I'm on the other side. I'm on the side that liked it. I thought that that was very cool what they did at the end of this. It was an ending I didn't see coming. But I laughed and I was happy and I was like, man, dude, that was hella cool what they did. I can't believe they went there. So, hey, so it it even gets a kudos from me for that. All of the cameos in this were great. They use everybody so well from Daredevil, who's already been mentioned, to Tim Roth as the abomination. I thought he was great in this, like Bruce Banner. He was cool too, man. Mark Ruffalo was killing it in this too. Like everybody. And then even these little side characters who got just a little bit of time, like Madison. Madison's little scenes with Wong and all of that kind of stuff were great scenes. Like, I mean, I just thought that this was very hip. It was very fun. It was, um, it, it, it was funny. Uh, like at all the right times of like every episode, I just found it enjoyable for some reason, whether it was a cameo or whether it was how, you know, how she Hulk does a legal battle and everything like that. All of that was great or dealing with her personal life and her parents or her family members or just the struggles with her own individuality and the duality of her and the she Hulk and how, people saw her which sort of like influenced that duality all of it is in here and all of it was well done i thought um and especially for what they were packing in these like 30 minute episodes every episode it just i I just was satisfied and just like left it with a smile on my face and even the end credits stuff they were doing with that was cool too so I mean, I think that this show just had a little bit of all of it, man. It it had some good action scenes. It has great comedic scenes. The, all of the acting was spot on. And I'm glad that now we have She-Hulk as part of the MCU. And I can't wait to see how she's integrated into everything else. She's a really cool character. And I'm glad that uh, more people, if they never read or didn't know her or her style, finally get introduced to her and get to see how she rolls, man, because she's a really cool character. So I was very happy with this series. First and foremost, Jastin. Put some respect on Madison's name. It is Madison with two N's and a Y, but not where you think it is. <laughs> but not where you think it is. <laughs> Put some respect on that. Oh, that was great. Yeah. I Wongers. For the most part, I do agree with you guys. I thought this was a really well done show. I thought it succeeded the most when it was being a legal sitcom. And it kind of goes back to what I said with Werewolf by Night and early MCU. The MCU it succeeds the best when it does a genre. 
and adapts it just by putting superheroes in it. And this just being like a legal sitcom type of thing. I believe that it succeeds by leaps and bounds in that regard. Loved every second of that. Those courtroom scenes, fantastic. That courtroom battle, and it felt like a battle between her and Matt Murdock. Fucking fantastic. Loved it. It's stress. How much I dug that scene. Oh, I was, was hoping before yeah. it even happened, I was hoping I would get that. I remember talking to some friends like, you know what I hope happens? Because, when you know, when they give you the tidbits, the Daredevil might be coming. I was like, I really hope that Dare- that Matt Murdock has a, a legal battle with She-Hulk. And I was so happy that that happened. I wanted to see Jen versus Matt, man. And, and when it happened, I was like, hell yeah, man. Like... Totally paid off. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, let's be real. The best, the absolute best Daredevil cameos come when he's introduced as the opposing lawyer or as a lawyer. I mean, Spider-Man, the animated series, when it's like the trial of Spider-Man and he's the defense attorney, fantastic. Yep. You know, that's, that's just where it succeeds the best. You want to put a Daredevil cameo? You have him be introduced as the lawyer first. Just that's how you know it's a good setup, you know, and that scene, too. I loved it. I knew Daredevil was coming and I was hoping when that trial was happening, I was like, oh, man, it's better be Murdoch. And he's like, you're representing yourself. He's like, I'm not a fool. And then you hear the courtroom door open and I'm like, oh, that's going to be a Murdoch so hard. And it was. It's fantastic. Um, I liked a lot of the storylines they did in this. I liked um, how they uh, portrayed just the way women are treated in so many industries. I really dug a lot of that. I, I mean, uh, so much of this was just really fantastic. When you got to some of the fight sequences, I thought they were done really well uh, to address your point, Heather. It's it's very close to how she gets her powers in the comics. They they actually even joke okay. about her origin in the comics in this with the whole car wreck thing. And they're like talking about like it was a, an alien hit team coming after the Hulk oh, in okay. the comics. She's like a lawyer going after a mob some mafia person, you know, the in general mafia that's in all comics. She was going after them or something. They put a hit out on her. She got shot and she got an emergency blood transfusion from her cousin, Bruce Banner, not knowing that his Hulk blood would also turn her. So that's how she gets her powers in the comics. Therefore they did an adaptation of that in this. I think they did it the smart way in this make it an accident because this version of the Hulk, I don't think would have given her a blood transfusion, you know? Yeah. Cause he so, would have thought it was too dangerous. And he, because, you know, and I loved how they played into that. He knew his blood was toxic to most people. So whenever he's like screaming, don't get my blood on you. Don't get my blood. Watch out for my blood. You know, I thought that was a really cool tie back 
to the Incredible Hulk movie. I really liked how this movie or this show upped the 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 importance of the Incredible Hulk movie. You know, it tied it in yeah. better. It seals it more into the MCU. That's it, true. It gives it more success. And I didn't even like, I know that that's looked back upon as a bad one. I never really had any problems with the incredible Hulk. I thought that was the best way to tackle a Hulk movie. Yeah. And I mean, you look at that and you look at Ang Lee's Hulk and it's a fucking masterpiece. Exactly. Like it was at the time we were like, hell yeah, we finally got something that felt like the incredible Hulk. That's what I remember thinking. You know, and is it as good as a lot of the phase one and, you know, other Marvel stuff? No, but it's not bad. And I liked how this one kind of elevated it. You know, I loved the stuff they did with the abomination in this and the trial of that. I thought that that was great. I think a lot of it made sense. I didn't think that they kind of just pulled shit out of their ass. I thought if you really go and look back on the Incredible Hulk and you look at this. I think legally speaking, the arguments she was making were sound in those regards, you know, and I, that's one of the things I loved the most about this show was the, just the courtroom scenes. They were so fantastic. And just in this little part for me, Tatiana Maslany. I've loved her for so long. She's in a show called Orphan Black. It's one of my favorite TV shows of all time. If you have not watched it, I feel sorry for you. Because it's fucking great. And she's the star of the show. In so many ways. And if you've seen the show, you get that I just made a joke about that show. And all you sorry sons of bitches out there that haven't seen it are missing out (laughs) on that. It's fantastic. She also has a great little, you know, couple episode cameo in Parks and Rec. Yeah. She was just utterly fantastic in the show. And I'm kind of glad that some other people are getting to see her greatness. So. Your lives have all been enriched. By getting to watch her be glorious. Um, yeah, I think I'll leave it there. Uh, also, uh, good pointing out, Justin. Her fourth wall breaking does predate Deadpool's by a great deal. You can even mm-hmm. argue that the reprinting of her first issue has fourth wall breaking on the cover. You know, so... Yeah, since 1980, she's been breaking the fourth wall. Yeah. I want to say Deadpool was created in like 1993. Yeah. I was about to say early 90s. I didn't know the exact time, but the yeah, Rob Liefeld, early 90s. The Rob Liefeld glory days of gigantic pecs and pockets on everything and the worst drawn feet in comics. Oh, Rob Liefeld. The proportions in which he drew men and women, but especially men, he made their torsos so ungodly misshapen. 
in so <laughs> many pockets. Like you ever, you ever want to know for a fact you're looking at an early '90s Rob Liefeld drawing? Count the pockets. If it exceeds 37 pockets, you know for a fact it's Rob Liefeld. So many pockets. And they were the weirdest pockets. They're like little square pockets that are like this big on straps and pants and belts and so many little pockets. I'm like, what are these men with hands bigger than LeBron's actually? How how can they reach into such tiny little pockets? Anyway. Um, yeah, that was fantastic too. I loved the way they had her break the fourth roll. I, I mean, one of the first times they have her do it, when she turns to the screen in the first episode and she says something and then the Hulk goes, wait, what? Like, I loved that she's yeah. breaking the fourth <laughs> wall, but the characters in universe hear her still. Oh, it's fantastic. It was great. Yeah. Loved it. Yeah. I do have some issues with the show. I'll get into those in a little bit. I do have more issues though. But there's a very good chance that this video on YouTube is going to get review bombed to hell just because we have the audacity to talk about She-Hulk. And that is what is going on. And it's even more fitting with the end of this show that they're doing that. And it proves the show's point, honestly. I think that's the funniest thing about that. These people review bombing this show are proving its point, weirdly enough. Yep. And they don't even know it because they're not even bothering to watch it. Yep. And I'm like, you stupid little fools. Uh, one, oh, one final thing. Um, fuck. And then I lost it. As soon as I said one final thing. Lost it. I don't remember what I was going to say. Son of a bitch. I'll co- it'll come back to me. Man, now I'm fucking pissed. Oh. I think that this show, one of my favorite things about this show is how it kind of fits into the official, unofficial new motto of Cinema Slayers. Which is uh, pro slut, pro Sydney. The show is incredible. I was honestly pro-slut. thinking that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> love it. I, I, I love like what you were talking about, Justin. Like there's drinking, there's fucking, there's all kinds of gloriousness in this show. And I love it. I love it how She Hulk sleeps around. I love that Matt Murdock is essentially sleeping around. Like they show how slutty he is, which. Let's be real comic book fans. The single sluttiest character in all Marvel comics is Daredevil. (laughs) He fucks everyone. (laughs) And I love that they show that in this. You know, and I love that they show She-Hulk because that's that's the thing, too. That's comic accurate. She-Hulk and Daredevil fucking comic accurate. I love it. I love that kind of accuracy in my comic book shows. I love my characters, my comic book characters that fuck in the comics. I love seeing them fuck on the screen too. 
It's fantastic. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, uh, recommendations and scores. Yeah. Yeah. Recommendations and score. Uh, who did I start the last one with, Heather? All right, Justin, go. Yeah, dog. It's a recommend for me. Um, you know, we've all no need to repeat everything. It's funny. It was a. It's a fun show. I think it's a very easy watch. Like no episode was hard or difficult to get through. It's got a great pace. Every episode, I thought, even when it slows down and we're not doing courtroom stuff or doing She Hulk stuff. Even just the the times it lightens up and it's just dialogue with characters is good. It's interesting and it's just such a vibrant show and has just such a great presentation. And the and the soundtrack is very good in this too. Forgot to mention that. It's got a great soundtrack. Man, it's got a really good soundtrack. Um and everything just sort of fits like the mood that they're going for with everything from the superhero themes that are in it sometimes to just all the musicians. It just has a style and a flow that everything just fits, you know, and the music definitely helps a lot of the scenes in this. Um, Yeah. And then on top of that, it's a great introduction to a character. You get cameos of old characters that you like. So if you're an MCU fan, I just don't see how you're not, how you could not enjoy this or not, at least have something that's intriguing about it that you can watch. Um, And so I think it's a great introduction for this character and it means well, there's a lot of female empowerment. It's unapologetic about that, but it needs to be in this story because a lot of that is what defines She-Hulk. And like you were alluding to Sterling, it makes fun of trolls about this show. And that's even in there too. And it gets hella meta, man. And like, there's a lot of like stuff that it's saying, like as far as meta about fans or perspectives or how people or what people have been conditioned to want from Marvel stuff and stuff like that. I mean, all of that, all of those things are topics in here and it's covered in here. So it even has that meta stuff in here. If you're a person who likes that kind of stuff in your comic book presentation. So to me, it's, it's, it's a total package. It has it all. It's got great acting, great comedy, great action sequences, great cameos. I just don't know what more anybody wants from a show. Like, I I just think that this show definitely had something to enjoy in all aspects. So, yep. I give it a great recommendation. Um, we'll go with, uh, We'll go with 88 um, trips to hell and (laughs) coming back with a heart and after giving six drops of blood in order to give back to your own universe, I guess. And that was just kind of a Tuesday out of 100. Heather, what about you? I definitely do recommend it. I mean, I think one of the things that I love most about this show is I think that she is the way that she Hulk is done in this, in this show, she's got to be the most relatable uh, female character in my opinion um, for me personally, 
Like, I just feel like she's, she's a real person more than any other person that they, you know, have that, oh, I'm just a normal person that became a superhero. I just feel like she is the most realistic, actual just person that they make into a superhero. Um, even with her, like, I don't want to do that. I want to do my job. I worked hard to do my job and get my degree. And even her dating life and and the the mishaps going on in her dating life and things like that. And which also, okay, Tatiana Maslany is real cute. I don't understand why people wouldn't like her just as herself. She's so cute. But anyway, yeah, I just think that it's it's such a relatable thing. And like this, the whole idea of how she wants to use these abilities that she now has. It's so interesting and it's so different. And I, I just really respect her points that she makes about like how hard it is in the industry that she's in and why, why she still wants to do it. And I don't know. I just, I really think she's such a relatable character. Um, and that's what I loved most. Like, I felt like it was a person I would know, you know, having these abilities and being in this show. It's somebody that I would personally know. She's very relatable. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I, I love the funny things they do with it. I love that she's a very self-aware person. Um, I love that she talks to the audience the way that she would talk to her friends. You know, I love, um, just how they do the action. I love how she interacts with the other random cameoed people that come in that she doesn't know prior to this. Um, I love that they had Megan the Stallion just randomly in it. Uh, I just, they did so many things right. Like, you know, they just, they just really did a lot of things right in this show. And yeah, I mean, they even tackle the idea of like, you know, everything that, that we were talking about, why we, why this could get shut down just for talking about it. Like it completely even does, it goes over that. And I don't know, I just think it's so, it's a very um, relatable superhero comedy show it's just really it's really cool um yeah I think that man I I, there is so much to get into with it but yeah I, I do think it's very worth it it's probably up there for me actually as one of my you know tops of the Marvel shows that have come out I think it's really great it's it's probably the most rewatchable one for sure um which is probably I'm I'm hoping by design but um, <laughs> in my opinion, at least one of the most rewatchable ones. So <laughs> it's up there. So yeah, I, I think it's a really well done show. I think it's super fun and yeah, I'm, I'm all for it. Um, and I also really enjoyed the, um, the post-credits things that they did. Like I, I loved the one about Captain America. I think that was the first episode. That was so funny to me. But um, yeah, I just I think everything they did with it was really well done. Again, not a perfect show. It does have some things that weren't my favorite. But um, overall, yeah, it's such an enjoyable show. Um, I'm going to give it also 88 out of, of 88. Um, She-Hulk stealing the show at her friend's wedding out of 100. Mm-hmm. I do recommend it. The only reason why I was shaking my head a little bit, Heather, when you said most rewatchable, I still think that's Miss Marvel. 
that was actually my like why I was like, okay, actually, I could see that one being more. They're really both very up there. They they are. They they very much are both up there. Yeah. I just I do think Miss Marvel edges this one out a little bit in the totality of the show. Um also probably the only Miss Marvel's probably the only one I would say has a better soundtrack than this show cuz I do agree I think the soundtrack is great, but I think Miss Marvel's soundtrack is phenomenal. I don't necessarily disagree with that statement. I think there are just little things that Miss Marvel succeeded at a little bit better than this show. But this show is very solid. And once again, it's another show on, on Disney Plus with the MCU. That makes me just a little bit more disappointed with Moon Knight. I love that that's like my <laughs> ranking system now. Because when Moon Knight was announced, it was announced with Miss Marvel and She-Hulk. And of the three, the one I was looking forward to at the time, the most, of course, was Moon Knight. Now, when Tatiana was cast as She-Hulk, that did elevate it. Because, like I said, I've loved her for years now. But, I think it's funny. The one I'm looking forward to the most, the one that is my absolute favorite comic book character of all time, is my least favorite of these three. By a, a wide margin. And I and it just kind of makes me sad because of how good these shows were. Miss Marvel and She-Hulk are damn good shows. Miss Marvel is a fucking good show. But they're both so good and I'm like, man, why did Moon Knight have to get the short end of that one? Because, like, I watched this and I'm like, it's fun. It's good. It's got a few problems. But I'm like, but it's, it, but to me, I'm like, it's a, it's a few problems. You get TV series with a few problems? That's a good thing. A lot of TV shows have lots of problems. This one just had a few. And I'm like, why did Moon Knight have to have 97,000 fucking problems? But I digress. It just upsets me, guys. It upsets me. But no, it's f fucking fantastic. I mean, it hits all the right notes when you need them to for the most part. And it's got these weird fucking characters that are these like scene stealing characters when they shouldn't be. But fuck, they are like Madison. Man, I should fucking hate that character. I right? fucking loved her. Yeah. Every time she's on the screen, I'm like, fuck yeah, Madison is back. <laughs> and like I said to Jasta, I need to put respect on her name. That is Madison with two N's and a Y, but not where you think it is. Because of <laughs> course it is. And it's great. And I, uh, dude, Jasta, that what you used for your score? Oh, that was a top tier line from the show with her. I yeah. loved it. Top tier. Line. Yeah. And then, you know, like just every time she's all wonkers. Loved it. Yeah. And that's why when y'all talked about rewatchability, I'm like, and y'all were like, Miss Marvel more. I'm like, well, like this though, it feels like I could totally see people 
going to YouTube or and just or going through this series and just rewatching their favorite scenes. Like That's it feels fair. like it feels like this definitely has a bigger collection of scenes that you would rewatch. Like the Madison scenes. You could go relive those. The Daredevil episode would be a fun episode to revisit. The 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 first episode with her and Bruce Banner and all that stuff going on. I mean, I don't want to, I guess we're kind of I'm going into spoiler territory. But anyway, I digress. But there are just a lot of some of the courtroom scenes and the back and forth with some of that. Or her dates and some of the stuff that was going on with some of the dates and how they would talk to each other and stuff. This feels like, I guess, Miss Marvel as a series. Yes, I could see you going back and like watching the 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 totality of it of a series you might want to rewatch that maybe more than the all of the She-Hulk but man in but but She-Hulk has those scenes man that are just like we're just so great because of what you guys said all these characters just killing it and there are so many fun scenes that you can go back and just enjoy you know no, you are right with that, Justin. I think, and I think you said it good with the, or said it well with the whole Miss Marvel is in totality the more rewatchable series. But if you kind of want to take it by like a clip basis or almost in a way like a, like a TikTok basis, She-Hulk kind of does win on that. Yeah. Like in a, in a very weird way, so much of She-Hulk is just very clippable to go on something like TikTok or mm-hmm. something like that to kind of fit well in that kind of modern era with things where you can just take clips. And I and I do agree with you, Justin. I think the clips from this show work better out of context than clips yeah. from like Miss Marvel. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And that's that's a very that's a very fair assessment of that you know critique of whenever I said I do think Miss Marvel that's I I do agree with you on that I think you are absolutely right on that I you know could very easily like I said see myself putting on the episode where you know Daredevil makes an appearance in this just watch the episode or just Probably skip it around episode like I kind of wish I kind of hope they add like playlists to Disney Plus. Where you can go to She-Hulk and go to the playlist. And I can just watch the She-Hulk Daredevil scenes. And it just plays them all for me. Then That'd I might be, be able, great. I might be able to get some like Wong Madison scenes. It just shows me all the Wong Madison scenes. Oh, that'd be fantastic. Disney Plus add that feature. Yeah. I really want more of Wong and Madison. Yeah. I think they need Madison to do a special presentation of that. Right. Oh, that would be great. I would that watch would that great. for sure. Yeah, trying all those drinks he hasn't tried, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. They were so funny together. Honestly, I think outside of Jen, I think my favorite character is actually Nikki. I loved Nikki. I thought she was great. Yeah, oh, no, Nikki, Nikki was, was great. great. I loved, and like you said, Heather, I loved I loved the dynamic with Nikki and Pug. I thought that was really great. That was amazing. Yeah, for sure. But no, I mean, overall, I do recommend this show. Um, slightly less than you guys, just ever so slightly. I'll give it an 85. Uh, Captain America Fox. 
out of a hundred. <laughs> uh, that was amazing. So now this show has now dethroned our our previous Cinescore champion of Werewolf by Night. Um, this is an eighty-seven. Our Cinescore is an eighty-seven. One point. So yes, point. it beat Werewolf by Night by one point. That's fair. It had um, nine episodes, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, spoilers. Yeah. Yeah. Spoilers. Um, my big issue with this show was the Titania character. I thought that character was a little weak and a little too one dimensional. I get that that was kind of supposed to be the point of the character because it was supposed to be a critique on influencer culture. I kind of just felt like that's a little bit of a low hanging fruit type of character. You know, Hmm. I thought that so much of the rest of the show was so good that even if you're using that character as a satirical critique, of influencer culture in America or the world. It was too one dimensional to feel like it was written by the same writers that wrote the rest of the show. I felt like that was just like the easy way and the uninteresting way of doing that character. Now saying that I did like the courtroom scenes that that led to. I did like that wedding scene that that led to. But pretty much any other time Titania was on the screen, I was like, but, but why? You know, like that felt a little weak and out of place. I mean, you look at the character of Madison. And there were so many layers to Madison. And Titania didn't have any of that. Yeah, she needed to be developed better. And that's, I, I, I can agree that's that. my biggest criticism of this. And she was essentially the characterized main foil of the show. I understand that ultimately the villain was trolldom and toxic masculinity. And, you know, the incel culture and attitudes toward, towards women. I understand that ultimately that was the main villain of the show. Mm-hmm. And you get aspects of that. But the whole characterization of those themes as a villain doesn't happen until the last episode. So while you do have those societal like themes throughout the show, your villain is still Titania for most of the show. And that's why I really didn't like that. Especially when you get to the end and you have that personification of those themes be the villain And I thought that that was really great. So I'm like, why did we waste so much time with Titania? You know what I mean? Like that, that disconnected a little bit for me. And that is my main critique of the show. It's kind of how weak that was. Because that reminded me a little too much of the MCU's villain problem. And I thought we were getting away from that thought we were getting better than that and then we get it in this so i'm hoping that's a once-off 
I'm hoping that they did that to kind of subvert expectations. And maybe if and when we get a season two, we won't have that problem. Even if we still have Titania, maybe they'll develop it more at that point. You know what I mean? But yeah, that's that's my big critique is Titania. And just so much of the show is devoted to her being the villain. That when you get to the real villain, which I thought was good, I liked that villain. Just kind of made me feel like, why did I waste so much time with Titania? Because it's it's a lot of time. She's in five of the nine episodes. You know? If it was just a courtroom scene or just that in the what you know what I mean? Like it would have, I think, balanced more, but the fact that she kind of kept coming back kind of bothered me. Um, I do remember one of the things I wanted to talk about earlier. It still fits in this. I loved the super meta commentary they had in the show about She-Hulk just being a female Hulk and she's replacing the man Hulk and that's very weak and all this other stuff. It's very funny because that sounds like commentary from nowadays. That sounds like internet trolls. I've seen those exact comments. They took away Hulk's manhood and now we've got a woman Hulk. I've heard, I have heard those exact comments and stuff reflected in the show are exactly how some of those people talk. The sad thing is that commentary that's in this show is also, whilst also being from now, is also relative and quoting people from her debut. Comic book fans, like or avid readers of comics, especially back in the day, remember a lot of comics had mailbags in the at the ends of their issues, where you could write to the writers and editors of the comics, and they would like answer your questions or respond to your little things at the at the end of comics. You know, a lot of people when She Hulk debuted in 1980 were saying those exact. Same things in the mailbags to Marvel. Interesting. Hmm. The whole, why are you trying to just get rid of the Hulk and make a woman Hulk? Like, why are you trying to make him less of a man and demean this just for this character? Like, and all that shit. That was the exact fucking things that were happening then. And it's so cyclical and sad. It's kind of genius, though, that that's like what they kind of make the point of a lot of this show about. Exactly. Like her debut in in the MCU and the comments people are making about that are the exact same things that were said in her comic book debut in the 1980s. You know, so many people are getting weirdly upset with her breaking the fourth wall, which like Justin said. They're also the same motherfuckers that are all mad that other shit's not comic book accurate enough. There's nothing more comic book accurate than She-Hulk breaking the fourth wall. There is absolutely nothing more comic book accurate than her literally breaking out of her medium and going into the real world. There are issues of the comic where she... Well, like be in a fight 
and she wants to make an escape. So she'll run through the advertisement pages that used to be in comics where you'd be going and you'd have like, like a two page ad for like the Sega Genesis. She Hulk would run through those to get away at times. That's funny. That's tight. You know, that's tight. Yeah. Like she's ripped through the pages. You know what I mean? Like there was one time, like some, like she didn't like the way she was being drawn in an issue or something. So she like rips out of the page to yell at the artist to like quit doing this. Um, and like her fifth issue, she fights a, a guy called Dr. Bong, which it's not a marijuana bong. It's like a bell. He's got like a bell on his head. And she's like, the Fantastic Four got Dr. Doom and Spider-Man got Doc Ock in their fifth issues. Why am I getting Dr. Bong? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? That's in her fifth issue. You know, those types of things. And I'm not going to lie. I loved it in this regard. I thought it was so smart how they did it. And that second to last ep- uh, episode where they're sitting there and she's like, why am I already getting ready for the gala? Oh, is this the second to last episode? Great joke. Fantastic joke. Yeah. Loved it. Yeah. You know. So you're I'm, basically saying that this is the most comic book accurate thing that Marvel's done. Almost, yeah. Okay. Like in so many ways, it was super fucking accurate. Well, that I mean, puts context on it because I know like some of my confusion I have towards the finale section makes sense now, you know, a little bit more. But yeah. Oh, her going out and questioning writers and editors and... You know, things like that. Yep. Nope. She's done that several times in comics. You know, um, it's it's just one of those things she's always done. Like I said, the reprinting of her first issue, the cover is like, hey, this is your your, you know, second chance to buy my first issue. If you don't buy it, I'm going to come to your house and beat you up. She's talking to the reader on the cover. Of the reprint of her first issue. I mean, come on. You can't have, like, like I said, it's, it's one of the most comic accurate things you could do, you know? And I, and I thought all of that was fantastic. My biggest problem with the end is that was kind of a rushed episode too. They went from her falling from grace to, you know, everything going back to normal, whatever in 30 minutes, you know, that's very disproportionate to a show. If you look at it in a three act structure, which I know isn't mandatory, but you know, it's the easiest way to kind of break down any story. That's the third act. And that's kind of in the last 30 minutes of four and a half hours. You know, the whole series is four and a half hours long you get the third act shoved into the last half hour. That's a little bad. But where this story makes up for it is how good the filler aspects were to the overall season narrative. Like those, the, the, the self-contained episode parts, if you will, because it did have like an overarching narrative of nine episodes that it told. But then each 
episode told, you know, sub stories. That's at least where it makes up for that imbalance in the three act structure of the overall season is they did so good with the episodic stories that, that, that gave it momentum and it gave it a good story feel, even if there was an imbalance in the overarching story. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Yeah. You know, and in the end, you don't feel completely robbed by it, at least. You know what I mean? Like, while the overall season story might have been weaker because of it. Man, you watch each episode, though. The episodes work so good on their own. And that that balances it out. Yeah, like even the wedding episode, you know, how when she's, you know, doing her thing and she says, you know, Oh, why are we doing a wedding episode right now? Because that's life. It just happens. Like, or whatever it was she said where she's talking about the randomness of it being a wedding episode. But I actually thought that was one of my my favorite episodes. It was just such a fun episode. You know what I mean? Like, you're right about that. And the the retreat episode. Yeah, I thought that was a great one, too. Great. Yeah, they were all very well done like just yes the self-contained part of it was so good for every one of them and yeah i completely agree with that i do have a question uh justin was your favorite episode the second to last when daredevil shows up or whatever the daredevil episode was that your favorite episode of the series was it um yeah probably but that's but but that's not but that's hard because I mean I loved it I loved everything about it but man there were a lot of good ones I liked the first episode with her and Bruce Banner and the back and forth with them and all of that stuff I thought that was great too and that conversation that they had I I, I really liked the how this started I thought that it it just got off to a great start um, no. reintroducing him and him kind of telling us and us finding out where Bruce has been, you know, now we, that answered a lot of questions about the Hulk whilst also kind of developing what their relationship is and everything like that. So that was another really good one for me. And that retreat episode I thought was great with the bull and the matador and all of that kind of stuff. I mean, there are so many, but, but, but yeah, probably, the the daredevil one uh, w- w- was probably my favorite when just i mean how do you beat him coming back they had the legal battle which was exactly what i wanted um the the fight that they did together was great them fighting each other for that moment was cool was fun too um and then i mean hell they 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 and then at the end you know daredevil got to hit that or really it was more like she hit him you know <laughs> so and the Daredevil walk of shame at the end of that was great. It was hilarious. I like laughed out loud at that. So, yeah, it's hard to beat that one. It's hard to beat that one. Well, no, the only reason why I brought that up, though, was I just think it's funny. And that's how you know Heather didn't watch the Netflix Daredevil. No. Why? That that wasn't your favorite episode. No, it was. I, I said that earlier, but I think I was talking over somebody else but yeah no the daredevil one was my favorite episode but the wedding one is up there for me 
Well, I was just going based on the fact that you said the wedding episode was your favorite episode. And I was oh, just, I I was I just, was I was just using favorite. that as an example <laughs> okay. of you didn't have the previous connection with Daredevil. And Which the is reason, true. And the reason why I was using that is because I think that they're using... I, I thought it was smart how they used this as the springboard to get Daredevil back into the MCU. Even though those yeah. shows were a part of the MCU, they don't fit in it anymore. But they mm-hmm. know people loved it. So they're using this as the springboard to get him back in. They used Hawkeye as the springboard to get Vincent D'Onofrio's Kingpin back in. Yeah. You know, that's the only reason why I was bringing that up is I like how they tied it in like that Kingpin fitting great in Hawkeye. And by doing this with the crime drama, I like how you were able to bring in Matt with that. And then on top of that, bringing in one of my favorite Daredevil suits out there. The yellow and red Daredevil. It's a that fucking cool. classic. That was tight that they did that. I mean, that is right up there with the black Daredevil suit is always going to be topped here. Because that's a great, great suit. And then, I mean, yeah, his classic red's good and all. But there was that four-issue miniseries. What was it called? I want to say it was just called Daredevil Man Without Fear. No, Daredevil Battling Jack Murdoch. That was the four-episode series. And in that series, he wears red boxing trunks as a part of his red suit. Because they're his dad's boxing trunks. Hmm. And I liked that that version of the red suit is my favorite version of the red suit. Just because I really liked the idea of him wearing the red suit, but then also having red boxing trunks on. You know, just kind of being the battling Jack Murdoch. Um, but yeah, the black one and then just the yellow and red. Because the yellow and red suit looks like something a blind person would wear. Because... Those colors do not go well together at all outside of a McDonald's sign. (laughs) But the way they did it in the show, I really enjoyed. I liked how it wasn't bright, bright yellow. It's kind of a goldish yellow, a little bit more subdued. I just really dug. And I I like that they just went, fuck it. We're going to have him in this suit. Because for a big chunk of time, he was in that suit. And, you know, I just, I really, really loved that they brought that suit in. Really loved it. Well, I think that even like a little bit to your point, though, that you were making is the fact that I don't have any prior experience with the Daredevil show or anything like that. And the fact that it was still my favorite episode tells you just like that dynamic and that character like people want to see more of that you know so I think it kind of does speak to your point of like yeah that was a great episode then because I don't even have that prior you know existing necessarily love for Daredevil (laughs) the way that you guys might and it was still my favorite and it, it made me want to be like I need to watch Daredevil 
anime movie. Like I want to, I'm excited for the new Daredevil stuff coming out. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I know the premise and I know who he is and all of that. I just had, I've never seen the show, which, yeah, I know I'm going to get flack for that from, well, you guys, but from everybody. <laughs> but, you know, I just, uh, the yeah, I think that he's so well done in just the one episode that he's really in that, yeah, I just, I feel like I get the hype. If that makes sense, so yeah, I I'm I'm on board with Daredevil now. Also, it makes me kind of wonder if we're going to get more courtroom drama in Daredevil: Born Again. That'd be fantastic. I'd so dig that. Um, one final thing I'll bring up real quick, and then we'll let you go, or I'll let you guys go. Uh, I loved the court case with the abomination. I really like oh, the yeah. points they made that he was just a soldier given a serum that he was told it would just make him better. It would make, you know, would help him stop the Hulk, which at the time was considered a bad guy by the U S government. And then when he goes out of hand because of the mind altering effects of the shit they were giving him, then he gets blamed for it. I thought that that was a valid argument. You know, I really do. I think that those arguments, especially when you look back at the Hulk, it's not untrue. I know in that movie, he's like a villain, but I like how they were able to just to take him. You just tweak ever so slightly a couple elements and not even in like a, untrue way you know what i mean you just tweak them just a hair and then now they're a valid legal argument where you're like no that's fair like is he genuinely legally responsible for that those those things you know he's so likable honestly (laughs) i think he's so likable on the show yeah and i liked i liked the way they portrayed that i liked how they kind of explained a little bit more that Shang-Chi fight club, you know? Yep. Um, I like how they really kind of showed that a little bit better or explained it like a little bit more of the backstory behind it. It, And without even really explaining it just by, you know, going, Hey, yeah, this is a thing. You know what I mean? So I really kind of dug that. And, you know, I just really kind of liked how they were able to tie that all in together And I liked how the Hulk, when she's like, hey, I'm going to represent him. And he's like, no, that's fair. Yeah, I liked that, too. Yeah. And a great part about that conversation was the part where Hulk goes, no, it's okay. I'm a completely different person now, literally. And then she looks at the camera and goes, ha ha. You know, I'm like, man, look at them (laughs) talking about Edward Norton. You know, Being which I meta. heard he almost made a cameo with this, which that would have just been crazy if he somehow was at a cameo with this. But I thought that that was pretty funny that they acknowledged that, yes, this is a a different actor from that movie in which where Edward Norton was playing yeah. Bruce Banner. I thought that was a nice little nod to that. Oh, man. What if Eric Eric Bana had made a cameo? 
That'd have been <laughs> they were just members just a, of the club. A little bit. Don't better. hold out. We're doing multiverse. It could happen, right. bro. We could yeah. see them both. <laughs> so, um, I've got some more like trivia based stuff. I'll bring up later. Um, Heather, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think um, your point about Titania, that's that's pretty much what my biggest issue was as well, is just that, I don't know, like she was she was a nemesis, but she didn't really feel like the villain, if that makes sense. Like, and I did enjoy, I do enjoy in general the shows like being very meta and all of that. Like, I, I did enjoy the whole She's like, oh, I'm I'm taking your name to sell my product. Like that whole thing was just really funny to me, like how that whole thing played out. And even at the beginning of the episode, how it's like She-Hulk by Titania, like when they do the opening uh, intro to that episode was really funny, you know, and I, I, I do agree that she wasn't super fleshed out and like she wasn't, um, I mean, she was kind of, I guess, a threat, but she didn't really feel very threatening. And it is, I think, because they didn't really flesh her out um, quite as well as they should have, especially compared to like all the other characters here. You know, Um, she was kind of the one character that you felt was a little bit outside of everything else in the show that worked well. So I definitely agree with you on that point. And again, with that finale, like uh, I was confused because it just threw me off. Like it was funny and it was amusing what they do when she comes through the screen and she wants to talk to, um, you know, Kevin and whatever. It was funny, but I was just like, this is confusing me. What is this? Like (laughs) it just threw me off because I wasn't expecting it as the finale. And what they did with it was good, but I think it's a little bit sort of like what you said earlier, Sterling about it felt very rushed. Like, I feel like it kept us from getting an actual full conclusion of the story. Like they do a lot of buildup to this whole thing and like this toxic masculine group of people. And, you know, it's like they're all in the middle of that chaos. And then suddenly it cuts to this. And that's kind of how it ends, really. You know what I mean? Like, I I don't know. I feel like it did feel rushed and it felt like not necessarily like not a satisfying conclusion because I think the ultimate end of it was good, but just the whole like in between of just cutting so quickly from like the middle of all that chaos to her, you know, breaking out into, you know, wanting to talk to Kevin and all that. It felt very, it did feel very rushed. Maybe if they had paced that out a little bit better in the episode, I feel like I would have maybe liked that a little bit better. Um, but I do, I do ultimately like how this whole, the whole thing ended, you know, and the whole thing with her inviting daredevil over to meet her family and all these things. And, um, it was just, it was amusing. So I did like the, the ultimate ending, but just that whole segue talking to Kevin and then changing everything that they had just done in the show right before that threw me off a little bit. So it took a little bit of adjusting, but Aside from those things, like it really just was like a very entertaining show. Um, the I like the idea to kind of going back to the supporting characters, the idea of Nikki being this just secretly super smart, charismatic. I mean, she was charismatic anyway, but just the the way that she's handling the guy that has all of the marriages that he's trying to 
like get out like he kills himself to get out of all his marriages or whatever i forget his name mr immortal mr immortal yeah Yeah. (laughs) that was a funny scene and she's sitting there and she's like going through everybody and what they want and negotiating and all these things and it just showed how good she actually is and how smart she is and i loved that development for her character i think they did a really great job developing nikki's character in that way because she's essentially just kind of the the sidekick character to jen or she hulk and they actually just really show her potential as well and she's more than just kind of what meets the eye and i loved that and i think that's what i really liked about nikki as a character um i did like bruce in this but um I don't think he was my favorite part of like, he wasn't my favorite cameo or he didn't stand out in a way of like, you know, him being in it made it the best episode like daredevil, <laughs> like daredevil is what made that episode the best episode with, uh, you know, with the Hulk, it was just like, cool. I'm expecting him to be here and I'm glad he is, but that's kind of par for the course. What I expected. Um, I agree with Jason about that first episode when there's that back and forth between them. And I really liked how, you know, he was, he was like struggling with the idea that it did not take her long to adjust to being one or the other and how he had such a hard time, like going between being Bruce and being Hulk. And she was just like, Oh yeah, it's fine. I've got it under control. You know, and just their whole, like, that was his whole battle for so long and it was just not even a problem for her mostly, you know what I mean? Like it was just kind of funny how that played out. Um, And just her even, even talking about just the pressure and the stresses and what she actually deals with on a day-to-day basis and why she was like, no, I can handle this. I can do this. This is like not going to be, you know, it's going to, yeah, basically just saying that she, she deals with the crazy stuff every day and being underestimated every day and all these things. And I loved her reasoning for why she was like, no, I'm fit for this. But also her saying, I worked hard for my degree. I worked hard at my job and I want to keep my job. I don't want to be a superhero. I want to be still myself in my own life. You know, I want to have these powers, but I want to be me at my job. Like, I I really enjoyed that they gave that perspective because you don't really hear a lot of other superhero people saying that or doing that. So I really enjoyed that they gave her that arc in this. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I think um, I I definitely want Wong and Madison to be a thing. I think that would be great. (laughs) I think that would be hilarious, but honestly, like a a buddy show about them would be a fantastic idea. Um, but yeah, I agree about the, like all the courtroom scenes and all of the cases that she's going over and that she's, um, that she has are also really, um, really entertaining because they're all such different cases, but like, it's kind of like the story within the story of the episode, you know, with, with the cases that she's going over. So, yeah, I I don't know. They just, except for that last episode, I do think they paced this show really well. But um, 
Yeah, because what was the guy's name who ended up actually being the villain? I'm forgetting his name right now. Um, Todd. Todd. Okay, Todd. Yes. What was his name? He gave himself. Didn't he give himself a name? Isn't it Hulk King. Hulk King. Hulk King. Hulk King. Yeah. Yeah. There. It really would. I mean, obviously, that wasn't surprising that that he ended up being that guy. <laughs> But I really do think it would have been great to explore him as the villain more and just that the group in general, like we get more information about who they are and what they're doing. But being more like maybe introducing them a little bit earlier in the show would have been good or spending a little bit more time in that last episode exploring that whole idea more, because I think that was really interesting what they did. Um. But man, I just, yeah. And I love Jen. I think Jen is great. Um, I, I love how well she embraced who she became as She-Hulk, but also like just her struggle with like, oh, I'm better as She-Hulk than I am as myself. And just that internal struggle she had was really um, a beautifully told story, I think. And I also like the designer guy. <laughs> I thought he was really funny. And the whole... Just even the whole interesting idea of like, oh, like there's a person who makes these costumes for superheroes. Like that whole idea was really interesting. And I like that they explored that here. Um, I don't know. They just they were very creative with their ideas and what they brought into each episode. So, yeah, I mean, I just don't I don't see how you don't enjoy this. It's so good. All right, Justin, bring us home. Yeah, but like, um, no, I just think that the 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 style of the show just kept every episode a lot of fun. It's like it's like in every episode you could probably just find something that was just likable or that 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 just that just made me smile or something that was memorable and everything like that, and um. Yeah, I, I just think that this show just made so many of the right decisions and just did so many things right. And especially just with all of the different uh, character dynamics. Like I said, that first episode with Banner, it, it was great to get him in and sort of then, and then they removed him so that you didn't have that constant comparison I like and and I guess I think that was just a smart move by the show to start it with him, you know, have the character that we're familiar with, so that you can see how this new character that you're being introduced to differs from him. So I think that that was kind of the whole point of that episode. So it was very important that that was the launching point for Jen because it kind of showed, okay, look. The journey that he had is not going to be the same journey that she had. But I love how even though initially she short, she sort of argued back with him and said, I can control my anger. And she made some great points about like the cat calling and, you know, men trying to explain to her her job when she's an expert at this too. And all of the sort of toxic male things she was talking about all were great points, but I like how, even though she didn't see some of the Hulk 
points that Banner made initially, some of those things did definitely come into play. Like her going, see, I don't need to be the Hulk at my job. And then Titania bursts through the wall, through the courtroom wall. And now all of a sudden she's in a situation where she has to be the Hulk. There was a situation in the, in that second to last episode where her anger got the best of her. And she, you know, started, um, going on a angry tirade and it sort of affected how she was viewed in the public and everything like that. So he was right that there are going to be situations. You know, what what he said was true. The moment they see you as a monster, things can turn around on you and that, that trust and that public image that you build can fall just like that and people can turn on you and stuff. So I like how even though initially she wasn't there, in her journey, some of those things he said came to pass. So that was cool too. You know, just, it it, it didn't say that Hulk is wrong just so we could uplift this character. She had to kind of go through her own Hulk journey to understand some of the points he was making. So I thought that that was cool. Um, Man, there are just so many fun tidbits in this. One of the things I love that it did was how it did the ending credits. Like, I can't speak enough about that, how you would have these characters have this, uh, just have this conversation about whatever, something they did in the day. And then you get to the end credits of this, and there's an art depiction of that thing that happened. Or like, you know, um, yeah, like whenever, um, and that was just so fun. So at the end of every episode, I'm sitting here watching intently, like, I wonder what we're going to show, what they're going to show. I wonder what they drew up for the end of this episode. All of that was really, really cool and well done. So I liked all of that. Or like when Nikki was like, hey, I saw Daredevil doing the walk of shame outside or whatever. And then they kind of, her and Jen have a laugh about it. Then at the end of the episode, we see the scene where, you know, Daredevil's walking with his shoes or whatever. And Nikki's all looking at him with her phone out or whatever. Like, I just loved all of that, how you would just get these funny little, like, treats uh, at the end of the episode. And and, and so sometimes it was like uh, a little cut scene, like with her going, oh, yeah, Captain America's not a virgin. But other times it was just that, you know, just these little nice little tidbits all throughout the show. So I thought all of that was great. Um And yeah, I agree that I do think that Titania should have been at least more developed as a character. I don't think that she felt like the villain to me. She never felt like that to me. She felt like kind of a mid-level boss or like a bebop and rock steady to the Ninja Turtles or like, you you know, she, you, you knew that she wasn't the villain. She just felt like that pesky adversary that often shows up in a series and they come and they go and one minute they're trying to do this and then the next minute they're trying to do that like that kind of adversary that's in a series the whole time but is never actually the villain but they just show up multiple times throughout causing trouble oh I can't beat She-Hulk in a fight well let me try to take her name from her. Let me try to brand She-Hulk. Just like a rival. Just, 
Yeah. You know, try to hit her in her pockets. Yeah, she was just kind of like that rival. But so I I so I I don't I didn't dislike any of the scenes with her or any of the trouble she was causing cuz all of that made for some fun entertaining scenes. I just think it would have been cool to have known a little bit more about what her motivation was. How did she come to be? Like, why did she see? I mean, you got that she saw She-Hulk as an adversary, but why not try to get her to team up? Why not try to, you know, I wonder why she just felt like she was such a threat. So I think we needed more of that kind of stuff. Just her why we didn't really get other than just, oh, she's an influencer and she's trying to sabotage She-Hulk because She-Hulk kind of interfered with her uh, at the courtroom. You know, they had that skirmish and then it kind of just started from that. But I think we maybe a little more than that would have made that character better. Uh, but, 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 no, but, but at no point did I feel like that was like the main villain of the show. Um, and talking about the end of the show with that final episode, I didn't feel the same pacing problems that you guys did. I I guess I just didn't feel that way with it. I guess what I thought was cool about it or why I appreciated it so much was because that was so monumentally different than of an ending than any other type of ending resolution thing that to me, Marvel has done so far. And so I just really appreciated that bold choice, but they stayed within the, you know, the comic book lore of this character. So it was a very comic book accurate thing, but I love that conversation with Kevin, you know, I, I, and also I liked how Kevin was a machine because I thought for a moment yeah. that she was going to walk into a room and actually have a conversation with Kevin Feige. I really thought that that was coming. And I was like, are they really about to do this? Is she really about to talk to Kevin Feige? I like that. They had me. I really thought that that was about to happen. But when it wound up being this machine that analyzes all of these algorithms and demographics and things and pumps out the best possible movies and scripts and all of this stuff, that felt almost like I could totally see something like that in the boys or something like, you know, it felt like it almost belonged in a satire about the MCU. And I like how the, how they were brave enough to, or I guess bold enough to kind of make fun of themselves, you know, because that whole conversation she had, was about how they have this formula and a lot of these things end a certain way and do a certain thing. Man, here goes the coffin again. And if you think about it, like, that's where the series was kind of headed with the whole serum thing and guy takes serum. Now we have an evil Hulk version to fight and, all abomination and Hulk coming back because of course the fans want to see them skirmish and answering questions and linking to the other series and all of that stuff. That's what we're so used to seeing, but I like how she was like, nah, man, we don't need to do all of that. I liked her going, no, let's not do all of that. My stakes are 
me kind of trying to find out how I fit into all of this and finding out how to balance the roles of She-Hulk and Jen and what that means and what I'm supposed to be in this MCU universe. I like her just straight up going, those are my stakes. My stakes don't need to be this big villain or this big serum thing or this thing that you've seen in a hundred other movies and a hundred other superhero things. I love how she attacked that and addressed that and said, why does that need to be my stakes? My stakes are that my life is in turmoil and I need to understand how to balance these things together. I thought that that was such like a great move by them. And I was just like, damn, man, this is like, some, you know, how the Black Adam said, this is a game changer movie. To me, that was some game changing shit. That was like saying, look, we know we do this kind of ending a lot. We know you see this kind of formulaic thing or not a lot. So guess what? We're not going to do it in this movie. We're not going to do it in this. So, you know, we rewind everything. And instead of that whole big skirmish, okay, they caught him. They, they've they found out because of Nikki and Pug who it was. So she just went there and arrested him. And then we just kind of got a resolution that was more about her finding herself and understanding her role in all of this and the Jen and the She-Hulk of it, but then also having some fun interacting with the people along this journey that sort of impacted her and helped her along this journey. So... I thought that that was cool. I I really liked it. And yes, I guess it felt a little abrupt because we were doing so much craziness with the serum and the abomination and Hulk fighting and all of that kind of crazy stuff. So it felt abrupt that she abruptly said, wait a second, what the hell are we doing? But I just loved that they did something different and just totally went left field and said, nope, we're not going to do the same thing we always do. We're going to give you a different ending. Um, so I thought that was tight, man. I would, I just really loved how they did that because it felt fresh and it felt like something different. And especially after sitting through something like Black Adam where it felt like they just made every easy decision and just did the easy thing that you can do um, in a comic book movie and still have success, by the way. I mean, it's not like nobody watched Black Adam. But I love taking the chances to do something like this, taking the bold, making the bold choices to do something like this. I think this is how you break new ground. This is how you get fresh stuff. So I want to see more attempts to do uh, stuff like that. So I thought that that was really, really cool. So and yeah, everything else that you guys said, no need to go through it all or every or name every joke or anything like that. And even though, and even when I went back and watched this a second time, it was a breeze to rewatch it. Like, it, it, I enjoyed it just as much the second time and even caught a few jokes and inside things that I didn't catch the first um, time. And there are some exciting tidbits it leads to. That whole thing with Hulk's son at the end, Scar, uh, that leads into World War Hulk, doesn't it? Doesn't that whole thing kind of go no. into, huh? Not really. 
I mean, uh, doesn't he come from World War Hulk or Planet Hulk or something he, like that? He comes from Planet Hulk. Okay. So the whole thing with Scar okay. is that Hulk was married to this woman when he was the king of Planet Hulk. And like the planet's blowing up or whatever. He thinks the woman dies and she think, he thinks that the baby dies. Then he finds out later, like this baby, like grows super fast and comes to earth and like is all mad and shit. Cause he thinks his dad just abandoned him type of situation. Uh, but that's already after world war Hulk, where Hulk comes back to earth and fucks everybody up. Cause they sent him to this other planet for him to watch and lose his son and all that shit. So there is that story. But the thing is with scar, they didn't do planet Hulk. You know what I mean? Like scar comes from all that stuff. Scar doesn't lead to it. So I don't know how much you're really going to get a planet Hulk or a world war Hulk storyline at this point. Because now Scar's already in the MCU now. And it's already well after the Hulk was there in Thor Ragnarok. So I don't really know how they're going to, you know, approach that situation with it. But, I mean, I thought that that was a little abrupt. I mean, yeah, that that can lead to some interesting possibilities. But I don't necessarily know what all it will lead to. Okay. Okay. Maybe I had it mixed up because I thought I knew that the son had to die in order for though. Maybe that's where I got it all uh, mixed up and whatnot. So my bad on that, but who knows now that he's there, Maybe they could still do it. Maybe they do go to a planet and he dies and Hulk goes rampaging again. I mean, you never know. Um, now that he's here, you just can't help but think, uh-oh, are we going to try to do something like that story? Yeah, can't get my camera. Sorry, guys. Focus. And then you're moving it, too. See, now it's all over the place. All cattywampus. Um but no, I mean, I do get what you're saying, Justin. It, it it could lead to some stuff. But the thing is, is I don't think he'll die at this point. Because like, like I said, he thinks his kid died. So it's not even that he does die. He thinks his kid died. Where mm. now we're sitting at it with, he just got introduced to having a son. You know, so I mean, it, 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 it's... Yeah, that's true. I get what you I mean, saying. don't get me wrong. They can do some interesting, fun things with it. Because... They're obviously building towards a young Avengers type of story anyway by having Mm -hmm. the younger versions of all these characters. So, you know, now you get a a Hulk young Avenger. True. True. You know, so, I mean, there is possibilities and stuff they can lead to with it. It's just, I think, I I know a lot of people were talking about like, oh, now we're going to get World War Hulk now because I think it's like one more year. And that Paramount deal's over. Mm. So we will be more likely to get a solo Hulk film at that point. So I don't know. But I mean, 
to go back to what you were saying though, Justin, I dug the end like that they changed up the formula and that more or less openly acknowledged that the normal Marvel way of ending things isn't always the best way to end everything. Yeah. And I enjoyed that aspect of it. I'm just talking about as far as it feeling rushed, it goes from her life falling apart and losing her Hulk powers and having to adjust. Like the whole thing was about her adjusting to being she Hulk now adjusting, you know, now it's like, you know, you are right. It's like the learning to accept who you are point, you know, cause now she's like, Oh, now I realize all the good I could have done and was doing as she Hulk that she couldn't do anymore. And she did feel like she lost part of her identity and then get, gets her identity back and everything. All that happens within 30 minutes though. You know what I mean? Like that's all within the last episode on top of her breaking the fourth wall and doing all that other shit. You know what I mean? That's what I'm talking about is you get that day like you, you get the, 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 the crisis action aspect of her losing her abilities, which is, like I said, quite essential beginning of a third act archetype. Like that is in most stories would be the beginning of the third act story. Cause then she has to overcome that for the finale. You know what I mean? And all of that takes place in 30 minutes in the last episode. I think actually the last episode is a hair longer, but still like that was my issue with it is when you look at the overall season story arc, that third act is shoved into the last episode. So nine episodes of the arc. Third act, 30 minutes. I was like, that's a little weird. I mean, like I said, where it succeeds is the fact that it is a TV show and it is episodic. Because if this was like a four and a half hour movie, I'm not saying, but you know what I mean? If this was a four and a half hour movie and our third acts in the last 30 minutes, I think we would have felt that more in that type of, of storytelling format by being episodic in a series, you're able to do episodic storylines that help negate that feeling when it comes to an overall season arc. I see what you're saying. So it just happened too. So, so I see what you're saying. So you just felt like it was too quick of a transition from her crisis period to solving the resolution so what so if you would have so you're saying maybe if the crisis had happened in one episode and then then you save like the resolution for another one so maybe you needed like one more yeah in in your case okay that's that that would have felt felt more to me and that also would have fit more of a tv series storytelling arc too you know what i mean that's always the type of thing you split into two episodes out of finale type of scenario. It would have felt more concluded that way. I think. Yeah. yeah. Or even if the episode was an hour long, you know what I mean? Maybe it would have felt a little bit different then, but these being shorter episodes and it just being so jam packed into the last episode whilst also doing the meta storyline of no, we don't need to end it this way. We need to do it this way. I'm like, that is so much for just, 30 minutes of storytelling. You know what I mean? Like that's where I came into issues with it in that regard. But I mean, still, I I do agree with you though. I absolutely loved the fact that they went, Hey, 
let's not do the Marvel thing to end this series or this season. You know what I mean? I loved that because if they had done the ending, they quote unquote started doing. I probably would not have ended up liking this show anywhere near as much as I did. Yeah, because as it was happening, I was sitting there going, what is going on? Even I was sitting there like, I I mean, because all of a sudden, like, Abomination was there. And then when Hulk, um, when Bruce Banner just came through the ceiling and all of a sudden they were fighting, I was like, what is happening right now? I was confused myself. I was like, am I watching a dream sequence? Like, what the heck? Which I think one of the writers said, what if this is all an extended dream sequence? One of the writers actually said that, which was kind of funny because I had that thought as I was, I was like, this can't be really what is about to happen. And like, yeah. So then when she said, wait a second, we're not doing this. I was like, oh, okay, cool. I also like I was, that. I'm right there with you. I also like that. Like as she's walking through, you know, Marvel Studios and whatever you can hear them like talking and they're like oh well the Thanos idea started from a couple years back in this movie like just the very like how it would sound if you were walking through Marvel Studios it was just very funny to me I do think they missed an opportunity though when she was walking through the real world if they had somebody like Mark Ruffalo there and she just walks by and says like hey Mark like openly acknowledging even she knows he's not even Bruce Banner. Yeah, that, that would have been funny. That would have been really funny. That would have been cool. Even if it was like a Steven, like even if it was like a Benedict Cumberbatch or, you know what I mean? Just one character, like just, and she just walked by them. You know what I mean? And just openly acknowledged the actor's name. I think that that, that would have been, been funny. a super solid joke that I think they missed. Don't get me wrong, it's probably a scheduling thing, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But I'm just like, man, if they had that one little bit, oh, that would have just been like icing on the cake. But like, I do agree, like, when it started, when that whole, quote unquote, you know, the way they were going to end it, things started. My first thought was, yep, typical Marvel. I thought that. And then when it went away from that, I was like, Good. Because I felt like most Marvel things would have ended that way. And it didn't need to. Like of all things to not end that way. God, it did not need to be this show. And I love the fact that they openly acknowledged it. Yeah. I liked how they even got a little bit tongue in cheek in it. Because once again, we got Daredevil coming back. And that was also a cool little thing when she's like, hey. You know, Daredevil showed back up because the girl's got needs. I thought that was great. Yeah. When he does oh, my show God. Up. And that line when she was like, well, I'm a Hulk. I smash things. You know, uh, you know, Bruce smashes things and I smash bad endings and sometimes Matt Murdock. What yeah. a line. What that a was line. Funny. Oh, yeah. And the face that she gave, like, that's a meme mm-hmm. now. <laughs> that is now a meme. That face that she gave what she said and sometimes Matt Murdock you know as she looks at the camera now that's a meme like Mm -hmm. (laughs) that was great that was a great line oh yeah and I'm totally down for it as much as uh, I like I said 
Loved all the fucking in the show. Loved it. Fantastic. I mean, I did too. And also just because like, if it had been about a man lawyer show, you know, if it was about this suave, cool lawyer show, that's all he would have been doing is banging all the hot chicks and winning cases. So look at the first Iron Man movie. Exactly. What was he doing? So I'm glad that, you know, a woman got to do it. Why not? All I'm saying is if they need somebody to be a stand, like an actor, that's just a character that gets fucked by She-Hulk in season two. (laughs) It's up Marvel. I'm here. I will be one of those characters for you. Just saying. Um, my my last little thing, real quick, little trivia thing. Supposedly, from what I heard, that whole um, Megan the Stallion, She Hulk, like dancing scene, wasn't actually yeah. written like that at all. It was meant they wrote they're like, oh, she'll just sign the contract, like showing that, you know, yeah, that aspect. They're working of it. together. Yeah. And they kind of just like, well, what if we started dancing and they just did it? And so you there, there's actually behind the scenes footage of Tatiana in her mocap suit. Cause that's how they felt, you know, she's in a mocap suit, like doing the filming. So she's in that doing all the dancing. That's amazing. So, well, it's fantastic when you see it in the end result, it's a whole other level of funny saying like Megan, the stallion. And then, Tatiana just twerking in a mocap suit. <laughs> like the whole get up, she's gray, got the little balls, got the little like camera to do the facial mapping. Yeah. yeah. She's just in a full get up doing that. And it's hilarious. I want to watch that now. Also, somebody we didn't talk about real quick. Uh, shout out to Renee. Uh, what's her name? Renee Elise Goldsberry. Yes. Oh my gosh. Who played one of the other female lawyers? Oh, she's fantastic. Oh yeah, she was tight. Love her. Yeah, she was great too. I feel I she feel bad. She always shows up in stuff and she's always amazing in what she does. Yeah. I mean, she's great in Hamilton. She's in that Girls 5 Eva show. She's in this. She's great. And I just want to give her a quick shout out cuz we talked about so many things and we hadn't mentioned her yet and she was Super great in this, and I hope she gets to come back too. Because like those scenes, I liked how she was like the foil, like not not like foil foil, but you know, she was kind of like that voice of reason to She Hulk at times. Yeah, and Mallory book. Yeah, and then but and then going back to what you were saying though, Heather, that scene with Mister Immortal when it's her and Nikki. And they're just talking and he just walks out the window and they're like, oh, that's what he does. And then when they're sitting there talking to all the wives and and husbands and all these things that he's had. It's just a super solid scene that I love the way she handles it because she's kind of like the straight man for a lot of the humor in this, like in her scenes. But she does it so well with just like an earnest sense of sincerity where it's not like she's like stuck up or anything like that. It's just, you know, she's had to be more like you get the feeling her, her characters had to be 
so no nonsense to get to where she yeah. is, you know, and and I like how they do that w- without, you know, being like a disservice to her. You know, it's like, oh, you're not playing the stuck up bitch character. They they did it yeah. well in the regards of it's obvious the, through the way she's written and the way it's performed. That it's just because of that's what she's had to do to get there. Like she's been playing the game. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Which you can scenes, even see in that. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, even in the scenes when she's showing like a small amount of resentment towards Jen, it's not like out of jealousy or like anger or anything like that. It's because like part of it's because she's realizing Jen's not having to play the same game, but part of it is also concerned that she's like, does Jen realizing what game she's playing also, you know, like that scene when they're at that award ceremony, which was also, that was a great scene too. Like that really subtle way of going female lawyer of the year. There's nine of them like, which is like a little dig at that whole thing. Yeah. But when she's like, Jen, no, like calm down. Like, it was out of concern for Jen, you know, because I think she realized that Jen didn't realize what game she was in because she just got elevated to it and was thrown into a game that she didn't know she was playing until that scene. And I thought that was such a good way of doing it. Anything else? No. I'm good. On that note, thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. Check us out on the internet at www.cinemaslayers.com. Cinema Slayers podcast on Facebook. Cinema underscore Slayers on Twitter and Instagram. Cinema Slayers pod on TikTok. And what will soon to be, whenever the YouTube handles get changed and whatnot, we will be at youtube.com slash at Cinema Slayers pod. More simplified, but kind of not. Whatever. That's where we're at on YouTube. Uh, give us a five-star rating and review. We'd really appreciate it. Really help us out. Uh, hit the subscribe button. Hit the little notification thing. Hit the like button. All that typical YouTube shit. Uh, tell your family. Tell your friends. Tell your friends' family. Tell your family's friends. But most of all, tell those dear sweet mothers because dear sweet mothers love. Matt Murdock. Ooh, that's good. I was actually going to say Tatiana, but no, oh, that's fair too. Yeah. That's a good one. Um, shout out to Plug Migo and Mundo Ochoa for our theme song and logos respectively. Just remember, here at Cinema Slayers, we are pro slut and pro Sydney. And as I always end the podcast, the TikToks and the YouTube videos, just remember, according to Justin, Moon Knight is a Best Picture winner. But yet the worst of these three series... I feel like the reason you had more energy today, Sterling, is because you were talking about things you enjoyed. Nobody knows anything but you. Maybe? It is also so late then. Yes, it is. When I realized we were already going an hour and we were still in World by Night, I was like, this is going to be a long one. (laughs) Now buckle up. It was fun, though. Except Two you, easy ones to talk about. Except for once. you, your lungs dying on you. <laughs> right. Yeah, I don't know what was up. 
I don't know, the weather, the weather here is like it's, it's cold in the morning, then it's hot in the day, then it's cold at night. It's just that time. It's, it's bipolar weather. And we got that here. The death of me. We start in the 40s, 50s in the morning. It'll be in the 70s by the mid-afternoon, then right back to the 40s and 50s. Yeah, it's just the easiest weather to get sick in. I don't know. I don't have a little bitch immune system like you. <laughs> what? My immune system's tight. I don't know. Sounds like a bitch right now. Just saying. I'm fine. <clears throat> right. Uh huh. Calm down. I was gonna say something like Jast Hulk or whatever, but that doesn't work. <laughs> All right, I'm out. <laughs>